So, uh, any any questions? I'm going to uh, Michael Baldini gavel down as as vice president of the board at six oh four p.m. Pacific Standard Time. At this time that uh, we are returning from closed session where we discussed a number of items and on behalf of the board and, and the business of the board, I apologize for running late. Um, but um, uh, I have an announcement uh, regarding uh, uh, the board unanimously approved as they stood. Uh, the district... Napa Valley College Association of Classified Employees, NVC, ACP, labor agreement for the period of 2015 through 2018. The district and association agreed to numerous language changes in the agreement. The salary schedule for classified professionals was also increased by 3%, effective July 1st, 2015, with steps 10 through 11 being eliminated and longevity steps being renamed from steps G and H to L1 and L2. The, the longevity steps will be known as steps L1 and L2. Additional adjustments to the salary schedule will go into effect in July 2016, including consistent percentage increases between steps and two additional steps. A compensation study will be conducted during 2017-2018, the revised agreement and salary schedules will be posted on the college HR webpage, the Human Resources webpage. I'd like, uh, on behalf of the board, uh, thank all those involved um, uh, in the uh, the agreement and uh, and mark your uh, reference to the three-legged stool. I have one at home. I'll bring it next time. But we can't stand on one. We must stand together. Uh, I'd also like to welcome uh, our, our newest employee, um, Mr. Calderon, Jorge Calderon. Uh, he's been uh, approved as a full-time employer, effective uh, July 20th, 2015, as groundskeeper. Step placement range 15.5, step C on the classified salary schedule. Um, so he'll be joining us Yes, uh, very quickly. And uh, along with that, um, uh, Cynthia Martinez, uh, she, you've seen her face around uh, certainly as a uh, as secretary, as a student, and so on and so forth. Uh, she is now the interim HSI STEM grant-funded program assistant. This is a temporary full-time position. Her start date is July 13, 2015. And Cynthia Martinez will start at range 16, step B on the classified salary schedule. Uh, Mr. Calderon or Ms. Ms. Martinez, are you here this evening? Seeing not, um, welcome aboard and, and uh, best wishes to you. Um, there were uh, uh, no other announcements from, from closed session. And at, at this time... Um, uh, well, one, uh, you know, the regular meeting of the Board of Trustees, that always gets me. There's nothing regular about our meetings, and so I'm going to move for a change one of these days to, to something more explanatory. But great things happen today in this land, um, and um, no longer when you look to the heavens in the state of South Carolina, do you have to be looking at the stars and bars, or it's been uh, sent to the ash heap of history. And... Um, <laughs> 
So, as we say the Pledge of Allegiance t- tonight, uh, remember that, and I want to turn it over to Mr. Howard Willis. 4.3, the adoption of the agenda. We have a couple of changes uh, this evening. Uh, we're going to move uh, 7.2 uh, before 7.1, that is the, uh, the foundation report. And uh, we're deleting uh, the uh, board policy 2720 uh, from this uh, particular agenda, and it'll be back in, in August. Um, those are the, uh, the changes that I'm aware of at this time. Uh, do I hear a motion to approve the agenda? It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. And one more time, Gabriel, you're first. Go ahead. Aye. And the rest of the board... I hear aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, the agenda will proceed with uh, 5.0 public comment. Um, and at this time, I'll ask, do we have any uh, comment cards? But I'll go ahead and, and announce it. The board will devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any subject not appearing as an agenda item for this meeting, but over which the board has jurisdiction. The public may ask the board to place an item related to the business of the district on a future board agenda. No action or discussion will occur at this time on such items. Individuals will be limited to a three-minute presentation. At this time, I will again ask if there's anyone that's wishing to to speak. Um, Hearing none, I will close the public comment section with a little asterisk because I see Mr. Sheckman in there. Mr. Sheckman, if I may... uh, at the uh, uh, permission of the board, indulge you. What what is happening right now? And could you tell us uh, very briefly, in a public comment uh, 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 note, what what is going on here today? History uh, is being made. This is the first meeting that we are streaming live right now. So if people go to NapaBroadcasting.com, they'll see a little thing up there that the board of trustees meeting is going on live, and if they click on it, they'll be able to listen. Any questions? Good. Thank you very much. So people all over the world can listen to what yeah, goes on right here right. tonight. So you're, you're back behind your curtain now, so that's, that's good. Um, moving right along to 6.0, the constituent group reports, I will start out and welcome uh, Amanda, the Academic Senate report. Good evening board. Um, My name is Amanda Badgett, and as Michael mentioned, I am the newly elected president of the Academic Senate. So this is actually my first meeting addressing the board. Um, I want to begin by thanking Marianne, who's here tonight, uh, Marianne Mancuso, and Dan DeGuardi, who's not, regrettably, um, for attending a workshop that I co-hosted with my colleague, Diana Shabodi, on the 26th of May, um, <clears throat> it was in her capacity as a newly elected uh, president of the Faculty Association, and I, and as new president of the Senate, we <clears throat> it occurred to us uh, that we would like to, in an effort to define and clarify, the hope was, the roles of the Senate versus the Association, 
for our faculty colleagues, but in fact for everyone. And and certainly, uh, I know a couple of our vice presidents and President Kraft were also in uh, in attendance. And for that, I thank you. In doing that, we were also tr- attempting to open up uh, conversation, not merely about the subject at hand, which was you know, about the roles and responsibilities of association versus Senate, but, but actually open up and all matter of conversation uh, across the, the campus, which is why we invited everybody on campus to, to come to this little workshop, which, by the way, we will be doing a, a repeat in the fall. And it's towards that end, I guess, I want to briefly make some comments regarding um, action item, under the action items tonight, 11.2, uh, the request in connection with developing uh, the revised education master plan, the request for over $72,000. And, um, and while faculty currently are not on campus, uh, or most faculty are not on campus. I'm, I'm going to confine my comments to my own uh, experience at meetings in May primarily and, and any published minutes I could find uh, to say to you that the faculty are very concerned. Um, and I will summarize it in, in three points. First, the, the price tag. Uh, it is uh, th- though we had heard possibly seventy two seventy five thousand that was never formally brought as as part of this uh, document that was actually brought to the Senate as well as brought to the planning committee um, and in a time when we're also hearing about uh, the physical strain that the college is under, this is indeed. Uh, somewhat distressing to hear uh, that that is uh, that sum is going out to another consultant. Um, I, by the way, did work on the uh, education master plan that uh, we, in 2013. So I, it doesn't seem that long ago. But I, I appreciate and have been told that these things go, undergo revision about every three years. The other point is the timeline uh, faculty feedback during the Senate meeting certainly there was grave concern of what appeared to be a rather um, fairly contracted period of time that this entire process was going to uh, take place and certainly a part of that concern was where is the opportunity for conversation and dialogue and finally and I think this certainly connects to the, the second point. The third point being where is the, the context for this, especially for those who did work on the previous uh, education master plan. Why now? For what purpose? And, um, and you know, again, price, tag attached, and all. So while there may be a whole host of responses to those questions. The the main concern, and I will conclude here, is that there hasn't been the conversation. Um, there hasn't been enough opportunities for conversation. So while I can't now um, 
comment on how uh, the previous Senate was talking about this or not, I can certainly commit here to providing opportunity for administration to come to the Senate during our business meeting, setting aside a forum to talk about this so that something as important as an education master plan can be something that the faculty are feeling comfortable with in, in terms of timelines, in terms of the scope, and so forth. So um, that's why I stood for this position, and that's what I'm absolutely committed to, is opening up lines of communication where, certainly from a faculty perspective, there is a sense that things had, in a, in a very profound way, shut down. So thank you. Thank you very much. The Administrative Senate Report, which Ken Arnold is president and appears to be absent. So moving right along, the Associated Students of Napa Valley College Report. Good evening, members of the board. My name is Elaine Tam. I'm the new ASNBC president for this upcoming school year. Um, for the report for tonight, I have on here... Um, on August 12th, we will be holding our food safety handler certification training at 9 a.m. in the community room. Um, our also, our annual leadership retreat is coming up as well. Um, it will be held August 14th through 16th, and this is the same weekend um, before school is back in session. Yesterday, we also had a great turnout um, at, for the members of ASNBC attending the hiring committee training with uh, Ms. Laura Eklund. Um, and I think that the future is looking very promising for those committees. And that is it. Thank you very much. And great presentation this evening. Uh, it was a pre-board meeting. We, we were uh, uh, met at the uh, Associated Students of Napa Valley College Activity Room and given an update on what's happening there. Thanks very much for organizing that. Um, 6.4, the Classified Association Report, Jan Shart. Um, I don't see her. Is there anyone... Uh, well, I'm not jammed. Yes, I'm yes. not president, but I get to give the report. Yes. And we thank you for the contract and just finally through and look forward to this coming year. Thank you very much, uh, Mark Craddy. Uh, 6.5 classified Senate report. Uh, hi, Christopher Farmer, classified Senate president. I have just a quick report. Um, while classified are diligently working our 10-hour days all summer, uh, we haven't actually had a meeting of our formal Senate yet. We'll have one next week, and we'll hopefully lay out our plan for the whole next year. But I do want to announce our July Employee of the Month. He is uh, Choi Kalulu. He is our only media services technician. So if any of you have ever done a presentation or held a mic on this campus, you have interacted indirectly with Choey. He works very hard, and he's the only person on our campus that does that. A uh, little background on Choey. He's born in Zimbabwe. He's coming into his eighth year in the college. He is an avid, avid soccer fan. He roots for Arsenal. I don't know if there's any Arsenal fans in the room. Um, he, he's a home subscriber to Cuvesan. I might be saying that wrong. He loves red wine, so if you're looking for a birthday gift for Choey, and one of the most interesting things about him is before he started working here, he was a pilot and has a pilot's license. So if you need to make a quick getaway, <laughs> Choey Kalulu. That's my report. That's nice. Thank you very much, and welcome, Mr. Farmer. Chris. Uh, 
6.6, Faculty Association Report. And I don't see Diana Shobody. She's not here. She did, however, um, send me an email today echoing Amanda's comments and asked that it be attached to the minutes, which we can do. So this reference of that will, will create an opportunity to do that. Thank you very much. So those listening at home, they'll be able to go they'll to the website. They'll be able to... Um, I don't know what they'll be able to do. They will, <laughs> they will be able to reference this and eventually find that email. Yes. Very good. Thank you. Moving along to the superintendent-president's report, as uh, amended, we're going to 7.2, the Napa Valley College Foundation report. And Mr. Martin. Good evening, and thank you uh, for allowing me to speak here. Uh, Board of Trustees, thank you. Uh, so uh, Bill Harding's out today, so I'm Gerardo Martin. I'm the vice president, newly elected vice president of the College Foundation Board. Uh, so uh, it's my first time being here, so this is kind of cool. Uh, so the endowment, uh, the investment balance is up as of June 30th, 2015, is uh, $8,283,483. Uh, this inclu includes both restricted and permanently restricted uh, funds. Uh, new board members that are going to be uh, have joined us since July uh, 2015, July 1st, uh, Bruce Ketron and Guinea Humphrey. Uh, outgoing board members are uh, Lou Garcia and Diane Benfield. Uh, we got some new endowment, endowed funds. Uh, the Patty uh, Renfro Memorial Scholarship uh, for continuing and transferring students who became parents as a teenager. And then the uh, the Mike Logren uh, Memorial Award, uh, Award of Excellence in Police Academy Ethics class, uh, married to a cadet. Uh, so a couple things that Bill wanted me to remind you is uh, we are going forward without helping the uh, VWT uh, program. We're looking into doing a some kind of big fundraiser in the fall. So. More news to come on that. And then uh, he also wanted me to remind you that more than half of the money that we contribute uh, from the endowment goes directly to the college and not directly to the scholarship. So uh, we could work as a partnership on this and maybe get some more money out to the, uh, to the, scholarship, to the scholarships, to the kids. Uh, let's see. Um, I think that's all I have to report. So thank you again. I appreciate your time. Great to see you, Geraldo, and congratulations. Thank you. That brings us back to 7.1. Dr. Kraut. Thank you. Um, a couple things tonight. I, I have a, a report that um, is um, published here. A couple pieces. Um, one is in public relations, and um, it's a blurb from bestcolleges.com that um, came up and uh, ranked us as number one community college in California, which was it's always good news to hear. Um, it, it was not a double-blind petri dish researched um, scientific experiment, but a um, qualitative piece that um, I think will be highly regarded, and most likely you'll read about it tomorrow or the next day in the register. They, they found it to be of great interest. Can we have a foam finger, you know, one of those number foam one? foam finger, yeah, yeah, the, we're the number NVC one. Yeah, on yeah, it. I like that. I like that. Yes. Um, I love that very much. Um, the, the, on planning, our, our next um, 
big planning effort is um, going to um, occur at, at a workshop, and as a piece of this workshop, um, a self-assessment and goal setting, Upper Valley Campus on the 23rd of August. Um, we're really going to focus on um, communications for a little bit, um, helping the board understand how to um, um, approach the goal setting um, pieces of their assessment, walk through assessment that day, and um, hopefully walk away with some goals for the next year or two. Um, and, that, and that will be a, um, it's of course, an, it's, a, it's a workshop orientation, but it's open, and I especially invite the constituencies at the table or your representatives. Um, if you can, it would be excellent. Um, the facilitator, um, Peter, let me find his name here, um, DeArmond, um, is a uh, communication expert, also has a great deal of background from in the community college, and wants to um, make sure that that all of us in attendance at that can participate in some of the communications pieces. So let me know if you can if you can avail yourselves of that and it's on your schedule. Love for you to be there. Um, let's see. The district that really there's a little blurb here on the district um, campus and district and campus master planning. Um, we are going we are working now on several pieces that are coming together in a, a more um, cohesive and integrated approach. We'll be talking about that at the August meeting. Um, we felt it was best based, based on, I'll reiterate, um, Amanda's um, piece that there's a lot more folks on campus, you know, for the August meeting than, than now. So rather than doing it at the retreat, we felt it was better to wait until August. There'll be more, more voices, more folks here. We'll be doing a two-hour presentation, we hope, from four to six, which will be before the, um, the board meeting on the, tw on the 13th, and then we'll go right back into um, the, the regular board meeting. So it won't be a pre-board workshop. It will be a workshop dedicated to kind of general planning and the district and campus master plans. Um, negotiations, I got a little blurb there. My, my, again, my congratulations to, uh, to the SCIU and classified professionals. Um, as we've said many times, this group, your skills and expertise, um, dedication are really um, central to what we do here, and I appreciate that very much. We had a couple of interesting things. We had a CalChina group on campus, which is really a 501c3 um, nonprofit dedicated really to bridging the gap between Napa Valley vintners and grape growers and China vintners and grape growers. They're very interested in the college being a central focus of that and, and an exchange of students, especially foreign students from China who would come over and, and um, uh, learn from us um, as the kind of epicenter of, of viticulture. And um, they also shared some great wines that they had from China as well. A lot to learn there, very exciting. Um, there were a lot of staff, and I don't know, if Terry, you have any, any other comment on that one, or is it on your agenda or... No, it's not. But um, actually, it was a great event. It was uh, a lot of fun, obviously, meeting people from China who have uh, a similar interest as what is the leading industry in this valley. Um, a lot of fun to share their wines. They make some good wines in China. And so it was uh, fun to talk, although that sometimes was difficult since my Chinese is not very good and I was sitting next to people who spoke absolutely no English. So... Uh, <laughs> 
It's good. Um, the, the other events, I mean, July is a lo- all about um, many events on and off campus. So we've been busy here at up, Upper Valley. There was a couple of Shakespeare um, events and plays, and I, I attended um, the second one. I can't remember the name of that second event, but it was very, it was wonderful um, and um, very fun. It's, it's interesting and great to see things happening um, from an arts perspective at Upper Valley Campus. Um, outside of that, you know, we, we have other things to talk about as well. I would draw your attention to um, um, the vice presidents here. And Howard, do you want to lead us off here? Howard um, is stepping in. Introduce yourself. And, sure. And uh, Howard Willis, Dean of Counseling and Student Success. Uh, I'm sitting in for Oscar, uh, who's <clears throat> out on vacation, but we're working together every day. So I have to figure that out. Uh, I just have a uh, uh, brief report. It's... Uh, via the PowerPoint, but I'll start it as it gets up. But uh, he asked that I uh, represent and give some information actually about what's happening in, in my area, uh, the counseling division area. Uh, recently, we completed our um, summer orientation. Uh, this year, uh, between online and our summer orientation, we have about 1,067 students uh, that has went through the process. 800 of those were online, uh, and that number has doubled since last year. Uh, so we're pretty pleased about that. And of course, all the students need to uh, go through the, the SSNP process, the Student Success and Support Program, Ed Planning, and so on and so forth. Uh, along with that, uh, I decided that what I would like to do, because I haven't seen it, is a way that we can give information to all of our new students online and on site via a packet. So we actually have sent them, uh, we're going to send them information, and I just have this to share as a draft, but some tools because uh, my message to all the students is I want them to start here, stay here, and finish here. So that was my theme with the students. And so uh, this document is going to go out to all the students. We have all their email addresses, of course, and I'll just pass it around for the board members here. But it's really a navigation tool. Uh, We really want students to have information, not to come here to get lost. The orientation, although a little lengthy, they leave, but we want them to have tools that they can have. And electronically, although they've gotten some things, none of the online students have received this. So that's 800 students more that will come with tools, and we'll figure by attrition, you know, maybe 650, hopefully. Chris, you're the numbers guy, so you know how that goes. Uh, we also uh, have done probation and dismissal workshops. There's a, a number of students that are in probation and dismissal status. Our goal, uh, my goal as well, is to ensure that we give those students tools so that they can be successful here. If they're not here, we lose numbers. They're in the classroom, they're fledging. We need to figure out a way that we can give them the tools. So the counselors have initiated probation and dismissal workshops that we did in the spring and that we're currently doing in the summer uh, with the goal, again, of giving them tools and also we're able to clear the students. Then after and only after attending the workshops, they're being able to clear to register so that it creates that contact and we're doing it more in a workshop manner due to the number of students. Also, we're we're looking at... um, Counseling classes in the local high schools, we currently have Napa, New Tech, and St. Helena. Uh, we've been approached uh, through our high school uh, breakfast retreat and other means to have courses at Calistoga, Valley Oak, Vintage, and American Canyon as a potential. I'll be having a letter going out to those particular schools next week, uh, trying to set up a meeting to talk about having our counseling courses 
Um, and I know that some have actually called. I know the Office of Instruction because they contacted me about vintage in particular, uh, and we've been negotiating with Calistoga. So that's our goal also is to be in the schools, offer classes uh, uh, there at the schools, our, our counseling classes, which, again, of course, are open access because that's what we have to do. Uh, we're going to come back this year with our career fair. Last year we, were, we did not have a career fair. We had one of the largest in the area, uh, and this year we're, we're going to have our career fair on October 14th, and we're going to do that in co collaboration with Shark Point from American Canyon, who is here on this campus. So we're working together uh, on the career fair. Our transfer center, I also work with them so that we can have earlier workshops. Uh, the goal is to increase the transfer uh, students here, and you guys may have seen the email about the pathways, so it's very timely. We're actually uh, we're starting transfer workshops in July, which is when we really need to start them. And we have 19 scheduled uh, for the prior, actually, to uh, the application date because, again, uh, I like to see a waiting list <laughs> at these workshops. But we're, um, we're going to be much more aggressive uh, in that area. We also have the partnerships with HBCU, so we're working with them to have a workshop uh, here on campus and also for our students to attend the HBCU uh, conference. Our TRIO grants, uh, their slates are going to go to the congressional reps in about two weeks. Uh, we will know on August 10th if we received our TRIO grants, uh, which would be three. We're not going to that will happen. Our ESL, our SSS STEM, and our regular TRIO grant. So we'll know those very shortly. Um, and this year I'm very pleased um, we had our 11th year in a row for our valedictory uh, speaker, which was Monica Hurtado, which you all know. Um, also in the counseling division, uh, I'm working on a reorganization, hopefully to have the proposal ready in September uh, because we, um, we need to reorganize. Uh, SSNP, uh, so our Student Success and Support Program, uh, we had a conference call with Mia Keeley, uh, Oscar, I, uh, and a few other individuals to review our 1415 report. Um, some of you may have seen the information on that. Uh, we did meet compliance in all areas of our 1415 report. Uh, we, we have some, uh, just some information to send back about our, our matching in terms of our positions. Um, she noted that all the reports that they've seen, that uh, we were one of the better reports. Uh, so the comments, we thought we saw a lot of comments that we weren't, you know, this, that, or the other, but it was really subjective, and it was by a group of peers. But she said most of those comments are, you know, you, you can really take them with a grain of salt because they, they put a panel of reviewers together, uh, and actually we, we fared extremely well. So we're working on our data report, which is due shortly. And uh, also, we'll begin, you'll begin to see a monthly SSMP report uh, coming out of uh, my area uh, to the campus because I think it's very important to share information because it touches a lot of different uh, places here on campus. The student equity uh, program, uh, we're working on a, a student equity director job description. The committee is working with that along with uh, HR. Uh, and uh, Oscar has sent out uh, to the faculty our student equity uh, propo uh, program professional development proposal which allows funds uh, for uh, faculty to utilize uh, uh, in areas that are directly related to the student equity uh, proposal and we have uh, received a, a, a few proposals uh, that actually have been granted so far uh, and pretty much uh, that's all oh, we <coughs> very important one last note the, the, uh, the SAVE Act uh, although the compliance begins in October, I wanted to make sure that every person uh, that we oriented 
received information on the Campus Save Act, so they did, and in the newsletter, we'll be able to hit those 800 students that we didn't because we have information on the Campus Save Act, so I wanted to make sure that for the institution that we uh, do the things that we need to be compliant for. Uh, and that concludes my report. Thank you. Um, either one of you. Yeah, Terry. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'll go. Uh, I was expecting you guys to duel it out, but you didn't do anything there. So well, I'm we here. pointed yeah. at each other. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know. So, Dr. Terry Juni, Vice President of Instruction. A uh, c- couple of things I wanted to report. Um, number one, I put on all of your desks a, uh, a handout that shows the FTS numbers for the year, and I've been telling you about these uh, at various board meetings as we're coming through, and they're, and they're finally becoming almost final. Um, and so this is where we're at. Yeah, that, and, and so it's not projected, sorry. But, um, but basically, to reiterate, our base for this year is 54, 47.51, and we have a little bit over 200 for FTS and restoration um, uh, for a total of 56, 51.79. And so that is, was our, has been our goal all year. Um, although, if you remember, our, originally we were, he- we were trying to shoot for the 5447, and I did a campaign all year long that started out as 213 and then changed to 300, um, indicating the number that we needed to increase in order to hit base and restoration. And so the, the large table on here shows you the numbers for each of the uh, sessions during the year, so late summer 14, fall 14, spring 15, early summer 15. And so that's why I say it's almost final because the summer um, 15 numbers obviously aren't uh, totally final yet, um, although we are submitting this to the state um, on July 14th. So um, our our summer numbers actually will still be a little loose because some of the positive attendance things don't come in until after the report is submitted. the, the great thing is that if you look at the bottom of the handout, you see these projections are 211.5 above base and 7.26 above base plus restoration. So um, we have achieved our goal um, by the skin of our teeth, um, but I'll take that, and uh, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite proud of this. I think uh, the instructional side of the house, along with student services helping recruit and get students into classes, um, have worked hard to achieve this goal, and and so uh, hard hard fought, but but we did. Whoops. So um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit is curriculum because I love talking about curriculum, um, and so that's what this is up here because I didn't make you a copy of this handout. I will. Um, it, it's posted um, on the website under the supporting documents. This is a report that's put out by the Chancellor's Office. It's the Associate Degree for Transfer Progress Report, and so they put it out every once in a while to give an update on the system and where we are in Associate Degrees for Transfer. And it, uh, Carolee, if you can scroll down to show Napa Valley College, which is on the top of the th- third right there in the middle, if you put your arrow right there. So you can't necessarily read the numbers. I I can summarize it for you, though. And what this shows, basically, is there are a couple of laws, as well as ed code, that drive the development of associate degrees for transfer. And the most recent law is SB 440, that basically said by August 31st of 2015, uh, colleges were required to have an associate degree for transfer for any of the disciplines that a template was developed for 
that we had or the college had a local degree. And so um, the bottom line is that Napa Valley College has met that, um, that regulation. Um, there are 39 colleges in the state that have not yet met that, so it's not that everyone's done it. Um, we actually have at this point, um, our theater arts was just approved by the chancellor's office a few weeks ago. Um, with that, we currently have 16 transfer degrees, um, and we have two more that are in the works. Our transfer degree for history, which the board approved a short time ago, has been submitted to the chancellor's office. It, we, it, I, I'm not sure if we've got feedback on that yet or not. I, I know I'm looking at Amanda, but that's not her role anymore. But, um, you know, so, and then, uh, the early child education, um, transfer degree, which the board approved at your last board meeting, has not yet been submitted to the chancellor's office. So those are two more in the works, and when those have been approved by the chancellor's office, we'll have 18. Um, there are actually 32 templates that are available, and so we'll, right now we have half. Uh, we'll have a little bit more than half, but that's actually really good for a college of our size. Um, there also on the end of this handout, the, the part that's kind of in yellow and gray, those are an additional eight transfer degrees that have been developed since 440 was passed. And the way that Ed Code uh, 66746BC reads is that when those templates are approved, a college has 18 months to develop a transfer degree if we have a local degree in that area. Um, we are fine with that. We're also in compliance with that, uh, that por portion of Ed Code. Colleges have until August of 2016 to be in compliance with that. We already are. There are 89 colleges across the state that are not in compliance with that. So Napa Valley College is actually doing quite well uh, when you compare us to the rest of the state in regard to transfer degrees. Um, I guess the other thing I'll say about that, just so you know if you don't, is that um, our own Eric Shearer um, has recently been appointed by the Statewide Academic Senate um, to lead the state in the CID process, and the CID are the course identification number processes that is linked to the transfer degrees. Uh, Michelle Plotty of Rio Hondo has been leading that across the state for a number of years, and she has recently stepped down, and so Eric has been appointed by the Statewide Academic Senate to play that role. Um, it means that he won't be at Napa Valley College as much in the year to come because he'll be traveling up and down the state um, in helping the community colleges as well as the CSU agree on courses and what they should look like in that CID process. Um, that also may become very exciting in this coming year because the UCs actually are starting to show a great interest in the transfer degree process, and so it's very likely that they will finally um, join that process as well. And so what that actually means, we don't know because as we've seen in the past, uh, the UCs um, usually like to control what their curriculum looks like. So whether or not they will work collaboratively with us um, still remains to be seen. Um, two other things real quick. Just an update because I've been giving you these. Uh, we are we are still in the process of hiring one more full-time faculty um, with the hope of starting in the fall, and that's a VWT hire uh, specific, specifically in viticulture. Um, that, uh, the application period for that closed today. 
Um, it is our hope that we will do a screening and interview process in the next couple of weeks with the goal of having that new hire on board by August 13th, which is the first day of Flex, um, working with Academic Senate to get a good hiring committee put together to do that. So just keep smiling, Amanda. Excuse um, me, and sir, then, uh, relative to that, is it consistent with HR policy to ask how many applicants we had? Well, I don't know, so don't I don't know. can't answer that question. All right, thank yeah, you. Since it closed while, since we've been in the meeting, five, we don't five, know the five, answer to that question. You. All right, thank you. Okay, so, and actually, um, when Ron asked about the Caltrina tour, I, I did want to actually add one other thing to w what I said, that, that actually a, another good part about that um, in the process of that meeting, um, I was introduced to a number of people that work at wineries up and down the valley. And one of the things, a need that they have identified is we, we have recently offered an occupational Spanish course that was directed at the wine and viticulture industry. And so they have asked if we can develop um, occupational Chinese for the wine and viticulture industry in the valley because, in fact, they have lots of guests that come from China and a number of the wineries in the valley already have some people that speak Chinese, but many others are looking for more of that. And so that's another thing that came out of that meeting uh, with the Caltrina group. Okay. Um, couple things. Um, first thing I want to do is also congratulate my colleagues on the instructional and student services side on achieving a fairly aggressive enrollment growth goal this year. So congratulations. And to all our faculty and staff that assisted in that venture as well. So thank you. Um, this year we have a growth target of 1.53%. That's about 87 FTS. So our challenge for this year is to at least maintain what we earned this last year, um, and then if possible, the additional 86.58 FTS would be nice. Currently not built into the budget, but um, obviously it'd be nice to continue to build that base as it's available. On another note, <clears throat> you do not have a budget update on the agenda later on, so I'd like to just do a brief update now. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the California economy as a whole um, and how that's impacting the governor's budget and ultimately where we go in the future. Um, you might have read that California's economy is the eighth largest in the world right now, equal to Brazil's economy, um, larger than Italy's, larger than Russia's, and larger than India's economy. So California is a very uh, in a very healthy place right now. Um, on the other side of that coin is that 25% of Californians live in poverty, and it's the highest poverty uh, percentage in the nation. Um, so we have a lot of haves and a lot of have-nots in California right now. Unemployment uh, currently is at 6.2%, um, and uh, the state economists believe that we'll reach employment potential in 2017, which is what they're calling a 5% unemployment rate. And so what does that mean? That means that there will be um, permanently unemployed, long-term unemployed workforce. Um, even though they show up as employable, they <clears throat> are not employable because of the loss in manufacturing jobs. Um, they may have an inability to be retrained or not a desire to be retrained. They may be close to retirement, uh, et cetera. So we have actually had a spike in long-term unemployment. 
again, on the other side of the coin, at the same time, we've had a dramatic increase in high knowledge, high skill, and high education jobs in the state. So that's where we come in. Um, interestingly, there's quite a bit fewer women in the workforce right now in California. Um, and so it seems that we've seen a peak in terms of um, women's participation in the workforce, at least in this cycle, um, and it's now on the downturn. So what does this mean um, for community college enrollments? How does it how does it relate? Well, in addition to those strong employment numbers, we also have strong high school graduation rates. So in 2006, the grad rate was 67 percent. In 2014, it's now up to 80 percent. So that's a pretty strong high school graduation rate. And top sectors in job creation: healthcare and social services, leisure and hospitality and the professional, technical, and scientific fields. So obviously those are areas that we've been talking about. We've been talking about curriculum developed. We've been talking about um, ADT degrees in those areas. And so, um, you know, we're uh, creating that alignment with where those growth sectors are. So what does all that mean to um, the state budget, and how has the governor uh, used uh, all that good news? Well, um, more money for schools, significantly more. The Prop 98 guarantee of which we are part of as the K-14 collaborative. In 2008-9, before the last major, or before the recession really um, began, we were at 49.2 billion in contribution. For 15-16, we're at 68.4 billion. So a significant uh, increase in the Prop 98 guarantee as a result of um, all this economic growth on the other side. What does this mean for students? It means no tuition increases in any of higher education right now. Um, and then uh, another one of his focuses, um, as uh, Howard indicated, is UC pathways to transfer. Um, and so that's an area of focus, um, as well as the career technical education areas. The rainy day fund right now, um, given all these increases, um, given the expansion in the economy and what that means in terms of tax revenues, um, the rainy day fund is currently sitting at $3.5 billion. So that's a fairly good set-aside reserve at the state level um, to be able to help uh, offset any reductions if those start to occur in the 2018-19 timeframe. So that's all good news at the kind of higher level. Um, I provided you with the final information at the state level from the governor's budget for community colleges. We've talked about all this before. Nothing really unique. Um, one of the things I will say is the last bullet on here is related to statewide performance strategies. And later on on your agenda, you do have some institutional effectiveness indicators to approve. And um, that's part of this statewide performance strategy um, initiative. Um, and so this is now uh, part of a, a very um, system-wide approach at trying to identify um, kind of um, aggressive goals towards improvement of student success um, metrics in particular. Um, and um, what that potentially could mean and how it could potentially be tied to funding is unknown, but certainly um, the Department of Finance is driving this at the state level, and whenever the Department of Finance is involved, it usually means that they're thinking about how it could influence funding down the road. So these are important indicators for us to be thinking about um, and how aggressive we are in, in setting these and in moving towards these is obviously going to be uh, an important discussion for the college to have. Um, so that's uh, my report for this evening.
Thank you, Dr. Hawk. I just told Laura it's the first time I'd be able to say Dr. Hawk out loud, and I and I didn't do it. For, one more time for the. the. Yes, yeah, Dr. Janine Hawk. Yeah. Thank I would for, draw your attention, I'm sorry, Michael, thank you, to 7.4, which is the Strategic Communications Report. It's included in your packets online as well. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of information, as always, in there. Um, it, it is. It really reviews the enrollment piece. If you can scroll down, Carolee, as I'm talking. Um, it, talks about, it talks about the initiatives and our focus on building enrollment. It also is broken into engagement, which is about... I know from a board side, you know, what are we doing to create a conversation or dialogue in the community? And you'll, you'll find that kind of information here on engagement. And then the final section as you move down really goes to a little longer, a little further. I think it's down in here somewhere. Um, maybe it's not. Yeah, resource development. And it talks about then the other portion of OIA um, and their and their goal to bring in money through the engagement. As you know, all these work together. In, in enrollment and all of that advertising promotional campaign creates the visibility and credibility of the institution. The engagement creates the dialogue, the belief, the credibility that we need. And then the, the, and that results really in the resource development that Gerardo talked about earlier tonight, that the Napa Valley College Foundation externally is doing just gangbusters, never has done so well. As you know, they've added over a million dollars to their endowment this year based on uh, exactly this. We've had more lineage and space in the register um, for the college than we ever have in the history of the college, um, and uh, the reports keep kind of rolling in. So um, we're doing, um, you know, I think what, what we've talked about as a board and trying to trying to be more focused more community-oriented. So um, there's a lot of stuff on here. Um, for many of you, it's like, I wish I knew, I wish I had known about that event, and it comes up, but they're here, and sometimes it's difficult to, to ferret out all the events that are happening. But there, if you have a question as a board member, call my office or uh, Kara Lee, or, and she'll direct you to um, the Office of Institutional Advancement down there. Questions or? Um, I have one question. Yeah. Um, I don't know what analytics program we're using for our website, if it's just Google Analytics or what. does. It's at the top. And I see that. And I'm wondering if we could add one extra piece of analytics, and that's where our traffic is driving from. Can, so can we do that, Michelle? Yeah? Can we do it by, by zip? Okay, good. Are you talking about the college website? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, just, I'm just using her so as an expert. I'm just, so I'm just curious. What I'm yeah. curious about is where the, where's right. our traffic coming from so that we know maybe there's some opportunity to spend some money on that site that we're driving people from or something we, like we that. We do have that. In fact, I believe at the uh, last meeting we reported on that, and I think San Francisco was one of the higher uh, areas that we reported traffic from, and then we determined that was because I log on a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from home. So well, I don't mean geography. <laughs> I mean uh, it, traffic, yeah. meaning you can see what site yes. maybe oh, someone where, else originated from to get to our site. So they might have clicked on something somewhere mm -hmm. that got them to our site. And if we see it coming from a specific place... 
I'll ask her to do for August a, mm-hmm. a one pager on that. We'll at least start that conversation. I know exactly that'd, what you need. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Sure. St. Helena campus. Yes. As long as you're here, Michelle, maybe you could talk about the writers conference and some of the things that are happening up Valley based on the board. If you'll step to the podium, you may have to lower it down just a tad. It was my fault. I'm sorry, Michelle. Hi. Um, spontaneous. I have my high heels on today, so I won't have to put it down too far. Can you hear me? You should say who you are. Yes. Hi, my name is Michelle Mano. I'm the interim associate dean at the Upper Valley Campus. So we've been extremely busy this summer, more so than um, I think the campus ever has been. Uh, This summer has really been about community engagement with St. Helena and trying to draw people from Calistoga as well as North um, Napa and Yountville through a series of events. And so currently, uh, Shakespeare Napa Valley is going right now. We are waiting till 7 o'clock to see if the rain is going to stop so we can run our final week of um, the abridged play, which is an original piece. And so currently, everyone in St. Helena is very excited about being the premier location. So as, as a result of that, we have really been put on the map So we're seeing um, many people already excited about the Writers' Conference, which starts the last week of July. And um, one of the things I can tell you is that we've hired more people to to be there because of the enrollments and the type of um, applications that we've received from writers. Our... We've never been at a place where we've been over capacity, but I would like to report year to year, last year and this year, if there has been growth in attendance, simply because the Upper Valley Campus has now become more of a uh, place to convene or a place of art and culture, culinary. And so we've, um, our chefs are both out right now. We have one of our alumni chefs coming in to cater the Writers' Conference, who, I don't know if anyone knows this, are there any Southern Californians in the room other than myself and Dr. Kraft? Well, Baja, California, there's this place called Husong's Cantina. Everyone familiar with Husong's Cantina? Yes, it, 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 it is very well known. <laughs> the caterer is offspring of Husong's Cantina. And his name is Louis Husong, and he's um, an alumni of Napa Valley Cooking School. So not only is he catering the uh, Writers' Conference, he's also going to be catering the um, event with the board. So certainly something for you all to look forward to, some famous uh, folks in the kitchen. Uh, So the Writers' Conference has been kind of what we're gearing up for simultaneously with the... um, the end of the abridged play. And then immediately following that, we will have the um, Music in the Vineyards, which we've been working very closely with um, two different people uh, on that. One thing I can tell you is that we have requested a separate time for students to meet with some of the artists coming into the valley because they don't have access to them otherwise. And so I've been receiving positive responses from the organizers of that event that 
not only are the open rehearsals on Thursdays, but they are more than willing to meet with our uh, students one-on-one so that they can have access to that type of talent. So collaborating with the Dean of Arts and Humanities as well as um, Lana Hardy on organizing that. So everything that we've been doing has been around um, building an audience, building visibility, as well as how can it tie to our uh, classes and what we offer to our students. Fall, we're planning for fall right now as well. So did Mr. Baldini, did you have something else in mind? Well, there, there's a question about adult beverages uh, and Yes. Whether or not we had the permits in place. Yes, for, we have uh, permits in place for the Writers' Conference. And um, we do not foresee... Shakespeare, Shakespeare, on all of our uh, material, it says alcohol, beverages right. are not permitted on site. So um, they they, a visitor to the program could not bring something in? If the, they do, then we don't, um, we don't see them walking it in. It's been printed on everything, and we actually have beverages at the ticket counter for them, which are non-alcoholic. We've done everything that we can to um, deter that. Thank you. Oh, sure. Anyone else as excited as I am about the Upper Valley yeah. Campus? Yes. We're yes. all excited. Yes. Can, can, can I just tell you two more wins that we've had? Um, ESL is a program that I was asked prior to coming that my VPI has uh, asked me to grow enrollment in FTE in those. Um, currently, we uh, just, I'm celebrating as I speak. We are now going to be offering ESL at the farm workers' uh, housing centers um, effective immediately. We're starting a class. Um, Alfredo has been a large part of that, going to the centers with me and speaking uh, to the site managers. And um, ABN 755, which is a non-credit prep for college ESL class, will now be offered in Napa at Napa Valley Adult Ed through our AB86 efforts. So we are now growing our our, uh, FTE, and we'll have buffer going into next year. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, and so actually that's important to note uh, because that is actually actually one of our goals is uh, increasing funding, and one way that we can do that is convert uh, what we do in non-credit to credit because of the funding rate. But in this fiscal year, actually enhanced non-credit, what Michelle was saying, will have the same funding rate as credit, and our ESL, our non-credit ESL classes are enhanced non-credit. So those will be funded closer to $4,500 per FTS as opposed to um, the 3600 that they've been uh, in the past. What, is, what does that mean exactly, enhanced non-credit? Enhanced non-credit, it's actually what's called CDCP or Career Development College Preparedness. So they're non-credit programs that either lead to work or lead to college. And so ESL is considered part of the college uh, development um, part of it. Does that include the... uh, It does. 7.0, the associated reports. Uh, The strategic communications report looks like it has a lot of uh, upcoming uh, activities as well. Well worth reading. 
8.0 approval of minutes. We're approving 8.1, 8.2, and 8.3, which covers our May 14th regular and special meetings and the June 11th regular meeting. Uh, at this time, I'll ask for any amendments or changes or and a motion to approve. I emailed some changes. Do, do we have to go over them? or You didn't get my email? Okay. Um, so... May 14th, there's a couple. Uh, just a spelling correction, Norma Tofanelli, it's T-O. So that's one. Um, 4.1, the VWT hire actually was not unanimous. The rest were, but that one was not. It was... Do you know if it was announced as unanimous? They didn't say he didn't say anything, and I thought maybe you would check with him later. He didn't he didn't say it was unanimous, not unanimous. He just said that we hired somebody, but in the minutes it says it was unanimous, but it wasn't. It was yeah. I don't know if you need the, the numbers, but I can tell you if you do. Who voted against? I did. Okay. Um, and then fourteen point one. No, sorry, fourteen point five. I was wondering if we could include Mr. Orton's statement in the minutes, as we've done with others. Oh, the long, the long list yeah. of legal citations. Well, I thought he did a no. I thought he wrote a speech. Didn't he give you a speech that he wrote out? He gave me a letter that was primarily um, legal citations and his rationale for why. Closed captioning was... Yeah, if we could have that in the minutes. And then um, the last thing was that Michael actually voted for Granicus, which was the first motion. I know a lot went on with that, but the very first motion was to um, use Granicus, and Michael actually voted yes as well on that one. That is, that is true. Um, it was Michael and I and the student trustee that voted yes, and then it went on from there. Was that the first roll call? Yes. That's what. Then I'm pretty sure you voted no. But I, no. Can, we can check the recording okay. if you want, or maybe you yeah. did already. I didn't. I just remember because. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then lastly for um, May 14.6, uh, it's my comment. I was just hoping we could clarify. Wait, where is it? Just a second, sorry. It's the one on the board policy on communicable diseases. This one? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to add TB tested because it wasn't like testing for everything. I was concerned that employees working less than one year were not required to be TB tested. So right here? Yeah. Okay. And then um, for June 11, it's not really a correct. It's kind of more of a question. I just was confused looking back at June 11. Do you? Can we take them one at a time? Oh yeah, that's it Is for that, May. Okay. Yeah. So you want to do a motion just on May 14? Do I do that? Yes, let's just do. I'll motion, motion to approve with the changes. Second. Uh, May 14. With with the uh, uh, changes with the audio, whatever I said on the audio, 
This is Michael Baldetti, yes. Okay, and the uh, letter attached, Mr. Orton's? Yes. Yeah. It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor, starting with uh, Gabrielle? Aye. Aye. Board? Aye. Aye. Motion carries. Moving right along to May 28. So I didn't have anything there. I don't know if anybody else does, but... And the 11th? Yeah, it's just more of a question, clarifying question. Um, Should we... Oh. Let's, uh, let's go with the 28th then. Do I hear a motion to approve the 28th? Minutes move. of May 28, 2015. Move I to motion. approve May... Go ahead. I motion to move the... Or approve the minutes of May 20th. I second. Second's approved and properly seconded. Gabrielle, how do you vote? Aye. Trustees? Aye. 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 Motion carries. Thanks, Mary. June 11th, 2015, 8.3. Yes, um, so 12.8, the Prop 30 resolution. I was just confused looking back on it. Um, it, it sounds like it's, a, it's supposed to be a resolution for how we're going to spend the money in the coming year, correct? But then the attached plan is from 2014, 2015. The, the resolution? So, yeah, the resolution talks about that we have to say how we're going to spend the money in the coming year, right? But then the plan that's attached are um, salaries and benefits from 2014 to 2015, the current year. That's not, that's not correct. It should be 1516. Okay, so if we could, yeah, correct that then. Um, how do you want to do the revision? Um, you can just amend the date at the top of the attachment. Okay. Let me, um, before you publish it, though, let me make sure that attachment is the correct attachment. Yeah. And then did you find out, were we able to strike the capital improvements and actually change the resolution, or were you going to change it on the actual document to include what the budget codes were for? The, the executed resolution... Um, has that paragraph changed? Oh, okay. So it just says salaries and benefits. Right. Okay. Yeah, here. So this other bit, all this was struck. Okay. All right, that's it. Do I hear a motion to approve the minutes of June 11th, 2015 as amended? I will motion to approve the minutes with the amended data change. Second. Proven properly seconded. Student trustee, Gabrielle, how do you vote? Sorry, just to clarify, there, we're not changing the minutes. We're revising the resolution. It's just the, the data, minute. right? Yeah. Yes. That's what my there is was. no change to the minutes itself. Just the data. Just the data. Your first and second still hold? Still holds. All in favor? Aye. 9.0 information and discussion items. Uh, first up is 9.1, Accreditation Standard 4, Leadership and Governance, Section C, Governing Board. This may be, we talked a bit about this at the last meeting when we talked about accreditation. It, it, 
it may serve the board, and you asked to bring it back at this meeting, it may serve the board to talk about this in more depth at the 23rd when we have a full board, and it's actually part of that agenda, so if you're okay, because you, you actually asked for it, um, Amy. So, No, I, I didn't ask to have it brought back. Maybe it was just a general conversation. Maybe yeah. it was Trustee Busenbark, in fact, who said, let's talk about it some more if we need I more I think what we were just saying is that I would email the the bylaws that I was concerned about, and yeah. we were just going to go from there in terms of maybe you know, trying to get our practices consistent with the bylaws or revising the bylaws, but that I didn't, I didn't ask to have it brought back. Yeah, thank you. All right. So the info, I'm done with that one. That's good. We're finished. So that's coming back to us on the. Well, that the topic is coming back as part of assessment, as part of our annualized assessment. Very good. Moving to nine point two, the first reading of newer revised board policies. Uh, we've stricken Chapter 2, Board Policy 2720, so that brings us to Chapter 1, Board Policy 1100. Any comments on that? Um, moving to Chapter 3, General Institutional, that would be Board Policy 3100, Organizational Structure. Any comments? Board Policy 3225, Institutional Effectiveness. Any comments? Board policy 3300, public records. Any comments? Board policy 3310, records retention and destruction. I'd I, I just like to make a comment on BP 3225. It's not to change it. It's just a kind of a general comment, and it's relating to an, an item that's going to be coming up in a few minutes. Um, just again, talking about like having our practices in line with our policies, it talks about, it says the board is committed to developing goals that measure the ongoing condition of the district's operational environment, and the board regularly assesses the district's institutional effectiveness, and we've had several conversations about, you know, most of the goals that have come forward haven't been measurable, so, you know, it says that the board's committed to developing goals that measure the ongoing condition of the district's operational environment and that we regularly assess effectiveness. And it's hard to do that when the goals aren't measurable. And so I was curious about the final document we were going to be approving tonight um, that's going to the chancellor's office, but I noticed it's not online. Did you know that, that there's nothing to, for us to look at to approve? So I didn't know if that was a mistake, um, but... There's no document. Yeah, 10.3. I apologize. There, There is a document, um, a very good document. Yeah, no, what happened there? Uh, sorry. Um, I might be able to pull it up and get it to you now. Is that time sensitive? Can we oh, – we're not there yet, but I was going to ask if we could table that one. It is time sensitive, yeah. But, uh, but – and we should be able to, to It's pull a ratification it that's been submitted. Right. So we'll see if we can find um, at least – we could at least do some hard copies, I think, or find it. And if we need to, when we get there, we'll have a – we'll do a five-minute recess and make okay. it work. Okay. So that conversation was under your Chapter 3. Board Policy 3225. 
So it wasn't an issue about the. No, not about the policy. Just to comment again about you yeah. know that if we have a commitment to having goals that we can measure, then I just I'm concerned about what the document's going to look like that we're going to look at tonight. So I just. Any other questions, comments? Uh, as that was an information discussion item, <laughs> and as a reminder, in keeping with board policy D1140, college governance, decision-making, and responsibilities, these policies were reviewed through the Council of Presidents and as appropriate by the Mutual Agreement Committee. It is anticipated that the board will take action on, on these policies at the August 2015 regular meeting. That brings us to 10.0, the consent calendar. And 10.1, ratifying financial documents. Michael? So, yes. Um, I would like to pull 10.6, please. 10.6 is the bid for 2015, 03 for fall 2015. <laughs> and then we're pulling 10.3. And then can we pull 10.4 and 10.5? Yeah. Oh, that takes some. So I have a comment. Uh, that brings us back to 10.1.1, uh, approve warrants for June, 20, June 30th, 2015 and which is your accounts payable check register. There's a particular item there, 01735.79, for Dub Sports in the amount of 145.64. I'd like to pull that particular item so we don't postpone this in its entirety for another month because I can't vote on that. Sorry, what was the number, Tristy Baldi? It is 01735.79. I'm, I'm sorry, why did you want to pull so that? I, I can't. It's the, I have a conflict of interest. It's one of my relatives has an interest in that company. Uh, so we'll move it to the next meeting, uh, the yeah. August meeting, mm -hmm. uh, when we have the, the full board or uh, right. perhaps so, more than. Um, in essence, you'll, you're going to take this off the consent agenda to make that modification? Yes. So this will also be a pulled item? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So that we could move ahead and pay everybody else okay. with the approval of the board. Understood? Any questions? Mm -hmm. All right, do I hear a, a motion to approve 10.1.1, approve the warrants? So moved. Do I hear a second? Proven properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Gabrielle, what's your vote? As a student trustee, and the rest of the board? Aye. 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 Motion carries. Uh, moving along to 10.1.2. Uh, um, which is a, the balance of it. Which we... Uh, well, I think the consent calendar includes now is... That. Yeah. Yes, so we're good there. Um, and that brings us to 10.2 uh, personnel document. Well, 
Are you going to vote on the consent calendar or take them all one by one? Well, we're going to take them all one by one because we pulled everything off. We pulled 10, 3, 4, 5, and 6. So Okay. Um, um, so 10.1.2, you're going to vote on? Yes. We're, do I hear a motion to approve 10.1.2? Second. I'm proven probably seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Gabrielle, aye. Good. We would have had to leave town on that one. If yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 10.2, personnel document. Motion to approve. Okay, everybody's going to get into the minutes this time. So, uh, Who's the first? Who's the first? Who? I don't think anybody moved. <laughs> no, I can't do that. Uh, so moved. There you go. It's been... Uh, <laughs> approved and properly seconded. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 10.3, uh, this was bold, ratify institutional effectiveness goals. I would, I would ask that maybe you gavel down for a five-minute recess while we get this information up, up in front of you so you can look at it. I will take that uh, suggestion. Let's uh, break until uh, 7.30. Pacific Standard Time. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's proceed then. We left off, and we have a whole bunch of reading material. So, so, Mr. Baldini, if you'd like, I can walk you all through this institutional effectiveness. Yes, please. Paperwork that Carolee just gave you. Uh, so, uh, so I'm going to be quick and brief. And if you have questions, obviously, go ahead and ask. Um, this is driven by legislation that ba basically, in a nutshell, uh, requires the community college system to look at their institutional effectiveness. And it has caused the development of a new division at the chancellor's office to help oversee this. Um, and basically what's come out to the colleges, and the colleges were actually involved in the process of developing these goals. Uh, there was a planning group that was put together that had membership from all the constituency groups within the community college system. Um, and, and what these goals basically are on, and I've skipped to one of the later pages in your handout, but um, these goals are directed at stu student performance and outcomes, accreditation status, fiscal vi viability, and programmatic compliance with state and federal guidelines. Um, the advisory group established 18 goals um, in those various areas, and in the handout that you were given, those are on, uh, like, whatever the page is. It looks like this. I guess I can scroll down. Sorry. 15 of a four-page document. So it, the, the, these are the actual 18 goals that were established. Um, and what basically the colleges were directed for this year is that they must develop aspirational goals for four of these 18. And basically the four, there was one in each of those categories that I mentioned. And so it was a course success rate, um, accreditation, uh, help me, Janine, I'm, cause I'm not looking at the paper. Accreditation, uh, standing, uh, two in fiscal, um, uh, 
Right. And so those were the four that we were all required to do, and colleges were required to submit those goals to the chancellor's office um, before the end of June because the law basically says they had to be posted at the chancellor's office by June 30th of this year. So that was the goal that was happening. So um, we could have have developed more than the four required if we chose to do that. Napa Valley College chose to just do those four. And part of it was because this whole this whole process of developing these goals came out very late in the year. And so it was very difficult, actually, to follow process and actually do this. Um, what made it easier was that, um, that uh, three of those goals were kind of no-brainers um, because who's going to choose that they want to have show cause as their accreditation standard. And so, you know, pretty much everyone's going to say that they want the highest level accreditation. So the first page of that uh, handout shows the basically the web page. And sorry, i got to scroll back up. So it shows basically what our web page looks like for this. And so you can see that for each of these, um, the ones in red are show the four that we chose for our target this uh, coming year. And, and um, it, But you can see there's history there. And, and that history basically has developed what's already in the system in regard to Napa Valley College for those goals. Um, you, you also can see that there are other goals up there that fall in that 18, but we did not choose aspirational goals for those. So in the, the target, basically, you see that you just see the four uh, that we chose. Janine, do you want to add something? Well, I was just going to clarify that it was actually the Department of Finance and the Chancellor's Office that chose those four for us, <laughs> and not for, for all colleges for this. this yeah, the, the system. Yeah, so it wasn't just Napa Valley College that had to do these four goals. It was a system. Um, and so basically what then happened at the college is... Dr. Junior, sure. I have a question. What are the units looking like on these numbers? Um, so so the, the, the fund balance is percent, so it's 9%. Um, no unit for audit finding unmodified. Uh, the successful course completion is also percentage, so it's 73.2%. And, and so, and then the accreditation status is basically um, uh, fully accredited. Um, I'm looking for the abbreviation for in no action. Um, right. And so, with that. Salary and benefits is percentage as well? No. Is, no. Oh, a salary and benefits is um, annual operating is dollars. Okay. Right. Yes. And, okay, so, the large so numbers are dollars. Yeah. Large numbers are dollars. The smaller ones are percentages. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, um, what happened at the college in regard to these is that the budget committee uh, dealt with the fiscal ones. So they dealt basically with the, uh, the fund balance and the audit findings. Um, and um, the academic standards and practices committee uh, dealt with the successful course completion rate. Um, RIPI was involved with that. Uh, they used a similar process that was used a number of years back in developing baseline goals that the college did. And those baseline goals basically was that if we fell below that, we have a problem and we need to do something about it. This was supposed to be aspirational goals that we were reaching for that we weren't necessarily there at. I know that uh, Chris, probably Chris, um, Chris and Robin provided us historical numbers on that for academic standards to look at, and they used those historical numbers to fall on this um, 73.2. Um, and so 
this was also so so when Amy you asked if we could table this we, we the board should have approved these goals before they were posted so we're, we're actually a few weeks behind since they're already posted and so <laughs> um, so that was why we were asking for you not to delay this any further um, uh, and then the plan is now going into next year um, we have to look at all 18 and so through the college planning processes we will be looking at the setting of goals to to basically do all 18 it's also interesting you don't see it here but when you go in and actually post these goals um, they're they're looking for your your one-year goal where you want to be and they're also asking for your six-year goal so where are you driving toward um, probably another thing that's important to note through this office of the chancellor's office um, they have set up technical review teams um, that are experts in the various areas that fall in these four categories and there are funds available so that if a college feels they need assistance in doing any of or attaining any of these goals, um, they can uh, apply basically for a technical assistance team to come and visit the, the college uh, to help them in regard to whatever that specific area is. And, and I know, for example, that Janine has served on one of those for Solano College um, a few months ago. And so um, that's already happening. Um, at this point, Napa Valley College hasn't asked for that. Um, but, but another part of it is depending on how this all plays out, um, some, some what may happen in the future is you won't ask. They'll, they'll look at your numbers and they will assign you a team because they will decide that, um, your goals don't, aren't looking too good or you're not obtaining your aspirational goals. So, so that's it in a nutshell. I'll gladly answer any questions that anyone might have about these. I was just a little curious how for 2014-2015 we came up with the 73.2 when last year we were actually a little higher. I have the same question for the planning or for the for the successful course completion. For the fund balance, I have the same question. So I'll talk to you about the successful course completion and Janine can talk to you about the fund balance. Um, th that actually was quite a conversation. So academic uh, uh, practices and standards came up with this um, and they did it based on the average the five-year average and and Chris you can pipe in at any point but but um, so they were taking a, a really a safe um, uh, goal um, and this then did go to the planning committee um, as an information item it actually stirred quite a bit of conversation for the same things that uh, the two of you are asking about it, why would we choose a goal that's less than what we had last year that's a good question um, and the planning committee actually had problems with that as well um, but we were following the processes that we had used in the past and the process we had used in the past is that these goals had been determined by academic standards and practices and and as I said we we were time crunched um, we because this had to be done by the middle of June and we actually didn't get started on it until probably the middle of April because that's when it basically rolled out um, there wasn't a lot of time to have further dialogue about that it, you know it gets back to part of what Amanda said earlier in her report is that we need time to talk about this and 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 clearly I believe we need to spend some more time talking about what we're striving to do in regard to course completion um, 73 percent is good statewide 
So, um, you, you know, it, it, Napa Valley College is actually pretty high in the successful course completion rate. Um, but I totally agree with um, what, you know, what you're implying by the fact why would we set a goal that's lower than what we've achieved in the past, we should be setting a goal that actually is increasing our course uh, uh, success rates as opposed to just keeping at a constant level. And, and obviously that's something that the, your Vice President of Instruction will be pushing and working um, both with planning as well as Academic Senate and looking at uh, goals that make more sense in improving what we do for our students in the future. I, I guess I'm kind of confused because an aspirational goal, it seems like this would be a goal for next year, but it's saying this is the 2014-2015 goal target, but we're finishing that school year right now, so... Uh, and so I can't, I can't help you on that. That's uh, a chancellor's office. They, they, they gave us this form, and so... Um, so is, was there an option to do this early in the year, to have a goal for the end of the year, or everybody's doing it around this time of year? The, this whole, the, the problem is that this whole process did not come out of, I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the letter that's in the package, there's a letter from Bryce Harris, the chancellor, um, to, from, it's actually from uh, Teresa Tenney, the new vice chancellor of this, and it's dated April 2nd. So that's when this started. And so we basically, and basically what had to happen is those goals had to be developed. Um, and so, so the colleges basically had two months to get this all done. And so, um, so, so that's part of the issue. Why did we choose a, a, a goal that's lower than we've done in the past? Um, part of it is because we didn't have enough time to, to really discuss what we were doing and put it together. And so, you know, my, my hope, and I, and I think there's agreement across the table, is that we, we will, we will do better and, and we will strive to do better for our students, but, we, but we'll start that dialogue as soon as faculty come back in, um, in the fall. Uh, as, as for setting our next round of goals. So we have a year to do it as opposed to two months. But I'm thinking, did you choose something? If you start this in April and it's due in June um, and the goal is for this school year, were you choosing a, a goal that you could actually reach? Was that the idea behind that percent? No, the idea oh. was that it was the average. Oh, okay. Any other questions? Are you going to talk about the nine percent, or it's just? Uh, yeah, it, I can talk about Janine, but you probably you're you're you were in the middle of that. So. Yeah, well, I mean, same issue. Um, it, it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to dollars, and and the larger the fund balance, the less people feel are available to spend. And obviously, there's a variety of reasons folks want to spend those resources if they're available. Um, I did provide the Budget Committee some information in terms of what two months worth of payroll was at um, and some background material on the fact that a minimum prudent reserve um, is recommended at the state level to be two, two months worth of payroll. For us, that's about a 12% reserve, and so um, that was my minimum recommendation was that 12% um, they were not willing to to entertain the 12%, but they were willing to go to the 9%. Obviously, that's less than what we've had in the past, more than we were forecasting at the time, um, and it's unknown exactly, you know, what that number will end up being for the adopted budget in September for 15-16. Um, I imagine it's going to be a little less than 9 um, given what I know at this point, but it, it could go up based on what I learn in the next couple of weeks. Um, 
I think this is one where um, input from the board would actually be helpful. Um, I think the board's current policy is a minimum 5% reserve, which is the statutory reserve. Um, but oftentimes boards like to um, engage in this conversation as well and, and help inform that discussion. Um, so it might be something that you want to think about in terms of your work in the next couple weeks um, in setting board goals um, and helping guide us a little bit in that regard. Thank you guys for uh, giving the explanation on that. Can we add that to the, uh, sounds like a, yeah. a grade yeah, you'll be for the, the 23rd? Absolutely. All right, do I hear a motion on on 10.3? Oh, it's not an action item. No. I'm sorry. No, Forgive it, me. Yeah, so it moving, is, it, it is. It is on the consent calendar. All right. Uh, all motion to approve 10.3. Second. It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Motion carries. Uh, 10.4. I just pulled 10.4 and 10.5 just because I didn't un understand it. So I just wanted a little explanation. 10.4 is agreement CCTR 5149 with the California Department of Education for General Child Care and Development Programs. Uh, our, our child development, uh, our CDC, basically Child Development Center, is mostly funded by um, state funds, and that's what these are. These are these are the state funds that we have for this upcoming fiscal year. Um, these are vouchers for low-income parents, um, and this is the rate. Um, uh, so this is basically the state paying for student parents or low-income parents in the community, um, and this is the majority of uh, revenue that comes to the Child Development Centers through um, Department of Education resources. So this is something actually you see every year at this time is the funding for next year. And the fifteen sixteen governor's budget actually included a 5% um, escalation factor. Um, so we will probably, you will probably see amendments to these contracts uh, later in the year, um, raising them by that 5%. Any other questions exclusive of discussion? Can we do 10-4 and 10-5 together, or do we want to do them separately? Can we do them separately? <laughs> Let's do it you know, separately since we pulled them separately. So a motion for 10-4 and a second. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Moving on to 10.5, agreement with CSPP 5292 with the California Department of Education for General Child Care and Development Programs. Motion to approve. Second. Is there any questions uh, or discussion? All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 10.6, uh, bid 2015. Dash 03 for fall 2015, spring and summer 2016 community service class schedules. That would be me. That would be you. And you are? And I am Miriam Mancuso. And apparently Ron already knew that I was going to pull this. So <laughs> here we are again. Um, okay, so let's have this conversation, please. We, uh, we've 
I brought this up on many occasions. The fact that we are looking at the lowest bidder when board policy 6340 says lowest responsible bidder, and I like to talk about what that term responsible means. So whatever that takes, if that takes a, a new committee that is going to, you know, define that or, or whatever, because I don't believe that um, responsible is just the cheapest. I think that responsible means a place where they are paying prevailing wages, a place that is considering the environment, uh, that doesn't create this carbon footprint by shipping things from who knows where. And um, yes, so we have <laughs> we have some intelligent people at the table. Um, I will take third seat to Dr. Hawk and Kara Lee, who have great experience here. And, but I like your thought process. So before we start, just talking generally, I think what we really need is at the end of this, some one-pager that defines clearly what we can do, what we cannot do, what's acceptable and what in what circumstances, so the board really can say, we can do this legally or we can do it, you know, this is what we can do legally and consider. So with, with that said... And let me just add one more yeah, thing. Absolutely. So on the agenda this evening... It says it is recommended the Board of Trustees approve bid 2015 three fall blah 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 mm -hmm. um, class scheduled to the lowest responsive bidder, and that you know that should read like the board policy reads, which is lowest responsible bidder. Just Let's talk about just to opinion, echo in what, my opinion, yeah. to echo what Trustee Mancuso saying, I just pulled up the CCLC because I wanted to know if the same kind of language was actually in the CCLC template, mm -hmm. and they do use the same term, so it's not something we made up. It, it, uh, it says, when bids are required according to public contract code section 20651, the board shall award each such contract to the lowest responsible bidder who meets the specifications published by the district and who shall give such security as the board requires or reject all bids. So I don't know if we have all that language in ours because I'd have to cross, but they do use that phrase. We do. We, we use the template. I, I think what would be helpful is if the board um, um, gave us and, and had agreement on what those ideas were that they wanted to use in the definition of responsive or responsible, and then we could come back, we could draft some language, ensure that it's in compliance, um, and bring that back for your review and approval. I think we captured yours. So I think, and I think yes. what's important is it's going to have to be measurable. So um, prevailing wage, um, we're, we're going to then have to require them. So the question is, do we want them to have an affidavit that just states they're paying prevailing wage? Would you expect a prevailing wage audit? Um, those are different different things. Or certified payroll. Or certified payroll, which is even more complicated, and, and usually you have to pay someone to do a certified payroll. Um, when you say um, uh, I, you talked about not having a lot of transportation associated with it, that means we may have a vendor that is in downtown Napa and outsources their printing to China. Um, and that happens a lot now, um, where you have a local vendor doing yeah, those kinds of things. Right. So, so that means that we'd have to have language that talks about 
you know, outsourcing um, and production being within a certain radius um, and whether that would, in fact, um, what the limitations might be in terms of uh, vendors being able to, you know, competitiveness of bidding um, under those circumstances. So it's something to think about. Um, And then in terms of environmental standards, um, you know, are we expecting them to have a green shop, um, use soy ink exclusively, um, not use any kind of toxic, you know, um, chemicals in their in the work environment. Um, so I think understanding um, how you're thinking about that would be helpful to me in, in bringing some language back for you. I'll say yes to what you just said. <laughs> and recycled paper. All I'll add recycled both. paper to that. Is there um, restrictions or any limitations put on us by the state as Ted? There's some things that we can't we can't do, and and most of these things you've said aren't things we cannot do. Um, the question is, how do we validate the things you do want to do? So people can say they are all sorts of things, but you know it, how how deep do we want to go? Do we want to audit their facility or audit their payroll as or certify their payroll as um, Carolee used as an example? So. You know, some districts just require an affidavit saying, yes, we meet these standards. Um, so you'll have to let me know if, if that's your pleasure or, or you're wanting kind of a deeper dive into it. Um, so, is what that, is every, so I'd like to hear what uh, the other trustees have to say. I don't, I don't know if it's worth pu- putting something like this back, but I think that moving forward it's something that we could discuss in our retreat. I mean, well, I think that um, I think that what we're looking for is some thought this evening um, about what some of those things are that we would like, Carolee or uh, Dr. Hawk, or I, I think we should make it an agenda item so we can think about it, and also the other trustees, you know, will know about it and can give their input because it's not really on the agenda to come up with those kinds of standards right now, but. And plus, I'd like to think about it a little bit and so give them how, a chance. So how would you word that future agenda item request then as a bullet point? To define yeah. responsible in the phrase lowest responsible bidder? Well, that's legal. That's defined in ED code. Right. You're actually setting um, a higher guidance, standard. guidance on the yeah. specifications for bidding. And so, right. so there is the term responsible already defined somewhere? So, I mean, we can do this a couple ways. We can actually say, here's the very specific things you want to see in every bid. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is you giving guidance to us as the district, saying these are the things we care about um, at a higher level, and you charge us then with ensuring that we integrate those standards in a way that's meaningful for that particular bid. So a bid for printing would have different standards than a bid for legal services. Right. Um, and so you could go about it either way. Can I you, like the latter myself. Can you start by sending us what already exists in Ed Code as far as what they mean by lowest sure. responsible and, bidder? And it's in it public contract right, code as well. And Yeah, it's it, got the Ed Code right here okay. that talks about it. It's um, So maybe we can make it a, on the like a discussion item, either if, well, not, if there's not time at our special meeting at the next board meeting or I don't know. Well, and I think... I think what you're saying, too, is that it could be something that, that we put in, a, in an application that says, that gives the specifics like we do other things, 
um, and request that, or maybe it's you know specific to the RFP or whatever, right? Right. right. So so it's in there, um, as opposed to we're evaluating it at the tail end. Right. So if the policy level might look something like. You know, the district has an interest in ensuring family wage jobs, um, um, environmental stewardship, maybe some things at a broad level. Mm-hmm. And then we would take that and incorporate that into individual bid um, bid packages based on the nature of that particular bid. And you'd have to have some like some trust in us doing that, I um, like that. As, we, as we develop those. Yeah, I like that. Just a thought. Um, Apparently, there's a sustainability policy, and we've talked maybe about a sustainability plan, but maybe that's also a place where this could be defined Mm -hmm. just because, you know, people are part of sustainability, you know, as well as the environment. So that would be another place for this. I think we have a strong idea of where you need to go. What kind of timeline do we think we can uh, get this done by or what are – you know, I, our process. we always, it's higher ed, you know, so we love to push stuff out at least a couple of months, but, you know, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, certainly by September would be fine. I don't think there's any issue. We could probably get back to you in August. Yeah, know. we can probably bring something back for you in August. There are a hundred versions of this that already exist out there. Right. So yeah. it's not. And I've done this a couple of times before. Carolee's done it before, so. Okay. We can, we can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you so very much. Yes, Gabriel. Um, I have a question about. Um, ad hoc committees, is this what an ad hoc committee would serve to be enacted for? Or? We'll, we'll bring it to, for discussion for the entire board the with, based month. on the the guidelines given to us by staff. Okay. And uh, we'll do, have a discussion and, and then bring it back for mm-hmm. approval. Uh, uh, regarding the matter at hand, if I may, uh, I did note um, that Wesco uh, Graphics is a member of FSC and is certified as such, and that stands for Force for All Forever, which is a worldwide or- organization. And it says here, Force Man, uh, excuse me, um, uh, they prohibit the use of ultrazine, which is otherwise legal in the U.S., but banned in Europe because of it's shown to cause water pollution and birth defects. Uh, they're uh, against aerial spraying uh, of the chemical. Uh, it requires forest managers on both public and private lands to engage local community members and to protect customary rights of indigenous people, ensuring their voices are part of the certification process and the impacts of forest operations are addressed. In addition, FSC requires the results of certification audits to be released to the public, even on private lands, which makes FSC unique among forest certifications. And it goes on and on. It says green building standards, including U.S., Green Buildings Council lead program and this FSC program, which Wesco Graphics is certified by this organization. Um, I, I also noticed, like I didn't know if it was an accident, but I noticed that as well. And also that yeah. this particular company is in Tracy, which is 85 miles away and yes. technically local is under 100 miles. So it, I don't know if you did it on purpose or accident, but this already seemed like... Step up. That, that doesn't negate. I mean, that's great news, yeah. but that doesn't take away no, from still let's yes, still make sure the yeah, policy yeah. is right. right. So, could I make a motion to approve? Yes, you can. Do I hear a uh, second? 10 6 <laughs> with um, further discussion. Rega- uh, pertaining as, as, as um, directed to staff to, to come back with a, uh, a, some uh, ideas, some guidelines. 
Correct. that we could adopt here at Napa Valley College to assure that this discussion will not come up again. again. Yes. I second it. It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, now we're moving on to the action items, 11.0, and this is Agreement 15, REC 50, with the Chancellor's Office of the California Community Colleges for Student Right to Know. And this is being presented by... I hope Howard, but he doesn't look ready over there, so I'm going to assume that um, I believe that um, that the Federal Student Right to Know Act, Ken Arnold, traditionally does a lot of the background on that and presents that to us annually. Now, oh, is this a different one? But you know, do you know more about this, Janine? Go for it, if you do, because I, I don't. Oscar didn't fill me in on this. I'll tell you the truth. So, I'm so this is uh, this is actually new. Student Right to Know. It's it's various information. It'll probably come primarily out of student services. Um, you're thinking of the Cleary report, which yeah. comes from Ken Arnold, which is kind of the you know criminal activity on campus um, that we have to report separately. Um, so this is it's pretty perfunctory. It's information the to a student. Data generated reports. I unfortunately, do we have backup on this as well or no? Let's look real fast here. I apologize for this. I just don't know background. Yeah. Oh. It really is the same. Mm-hmm. Chris has his hand up. Completion rates. Chris, do you know? Yes, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's, um, it's overall completion. It takes a cohort of student and tracks them for three or four years, I believe, and then puts out the, our successful completion rates. It's actually on our website already under scorecard. So right next to our student success scorecard, there's a link to the student right to know. And it's, it's a real simple little website. You click on it, and it pops up our completion rates. And so our fee, this 3900 annually, is our fee to the chancellor's office to maintain our data that they request? That, that seems That's to be, That's great. Yeah. That's great. Do I hear a motion? <laughs> okay. Motion to approve. Second. And proven properly. Seconded. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Thank you. I'm sorry. We have one sustained. Uh, student trustee Gabriel Sanchez. <laughs> Moving on to uh, 11.2. This is the educational master plan update. The authorization to proceed. Yeah. Let's let me talk about it. So we're you know and address Amanda's comments, which I really appreciated at the beginning. Received also. Um, an email from uh, Diana Chibodi, who, who really generated the same kind of concerns regarding um, the uh, proposal. So a couple things on this, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I had a lot of a lot of notes, and I just kind of want to unpack it a little bit, um, not talk about it yet, but just say that in, in terms of we we share equally this kind of tripart stool thing that you know Mark was talking about, um, both administration, faculty, staff, in producing the kind of reports that keep us on track and responsive. So I think everybody will share that interest in that. Um, and thank you. I think Amanda can open the door and say, hey, there's a lot of answers to this, but these are the, these are the pieces here. So, A, there's no rush to the roar here. It's important that you recognize that. We're asking you for authorization. This is a business meeting, so waiting till August or September to 
to at least move forward on this is, in my view, um, late. So I, I want to be able to negotiate um, this contract. The way that it's stated here, and I think it's also important for you to understand, um, this amount shall not exceed 72000 I don't expect to spend seventy-two. That's what you alluded to, I think, Amanda, in, in conversations as well. And we've had this conversation. We've been vetting this, I think, since March um, throughout, the, throughout the district at different committees with different groups. Several people have said, you know, do we need it? And that answer is yes. The educational master plan is based on data from 211 and 12, which Chris worked on. Um, published primarily in, um, to represent 2013 through 2023, maybe, yeah, that 10-year. In that document and the underlying steering committee's recommendation was these things get so out of date and so behind the curve that we want to be more proactive. So every three years, we're going to do an educational master plan update. Um, this update that's being proposed is just that, it's primarily research. There's no additional, what I would call, heavy writing in it. There's going to be very little other kind of beautification of the document. I don't foresee those things in, in my view of it. There's qualitative research, which will engage all the stakeholders, um, um, all those folks we've talked about before, and through, through the lens of a steering committee that would be set up. And, and then there's a quantitative research which will really address the capacity, load, load ratios, um, space needs forecast, those pieces that were not included in the last one. So those are important pieces that we really have to take a look at. Pricing, um, I, this is a max cap. I don't believe we're going to get anywhere near this. Um, I, we've already talked with this firm. They've come back with a, a different proposal that says, indeed, if you do these kinds of things, Research. I've talked with Chris and we've talked with Robin. Uh, if you do these in-house pieces, it will reduce significantly these costs. So I, I think that at the, at, the, uh, at the outset, you need to know that I don't believe that we're going to spend um, nearly this amount. Authorizing this does not begin the clock nor the process. What it does is authorize me to get into conversations so I can contract with them to begin the process on a, on a uh, timeline that begins in August. Um, and that primarily is research, which I think we're going to do much of that in-house. So there's two or three pieces here. One, the, the documents that were originally floated, and I think Diana is looking at those, um, and I think, that went in March, April, maybe, to the May, May to the... Um, to the budget committee and no, other groups. So it went to planning. Planning. Yeah. It went to um, council of president. It went to planning twice. It went right. to council of presidents. I think three times. Maybe right. two for sure, but right. I think three. Yeah. It went to academic senate. Attempted two times, but for real once. I was there for whole meeting, but it never got to it on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, we presented it <clears throat> at their next meeting. Um, the fee was negotiated down in response to concerns that were raised both by the Academic Senate um, as well as the Classified Senate, actually, around the cost. And so mm -hmm. this does represent a decrease of 5% at the top end. 
as well as identifying um, five areas in which we could reduce the overall cost by about $20,000 if we um, uh, produce those sections internally as opposed to having the consultant do it. So it gives us the flexibility based on our timing and availability to uh, do that as well. I, I do think the other, the other issue is really looking one of internally, kind of addressing those, those things. You know, why can't our staff do these? Why can't faculty do these, you know, or other folks? Well, faculty are hired for a specific expertise in their subject area. Maybe some folks are um, ready and able to do things outside of that. We'd have to construct other kinds of um, extra pay assignments to do that, not completely unknown. Um, research is set to do this already and, and are paid to do some of these and that's some of the some of these pieces that we've talked about offloading um, I'm still going to talk with uh, I believe there's even more um, fat to be trimmed on this on this contract we don't need the um, you know she's looking at me going no 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 we don't need that I, I don't want to set false expectations though because well, it is going to cost you know it is going to cost something but <laughs> it is it is yeah. Um, and I think, you know, consultants are, are um, important, and we can't do this work, nor do we have the expertise for all of it, so there's a piece here that we have to do. But there are pieces that, um, this is an update, a, a standard update. You're going to see another one in three years, maybe four years, and, and um, it shouldn't cost exorbitant amounts, but what we need to do is stay on track so we have an educational master plan that truly reflects the needs of students and the trends of the valley. Um, right now, there's very little in this update that would commend itself to what we've been talking about in the last few months. BWT is not well represented in there. Hospitality is not well represented in there. The trends in, in service businesses is not well represented in there. There's not a lot of ESL nor Latino representation in it. It doesn't describe those things um, because we're, again, four years behind where this information came from. The other piece that we want to do is link it strongly to our facilities, um, our needs for facilities, the need for infrastructure, and better be able to describe what we need going forward in a campus master plan. So this is a piece of um, the overall planning piece. So um, I don't know if that's enough codicil for it, but I'm open to questions and concerns. And Again, it will not start um, um, at, at least until August. And faculty, staff, and students are an integral part of every piece of this. It was contemplated with a steering committee again, which I think, were you on it, Amanda, the first one? Uh, only Just a bit? Yeah. The, all the constituencies from the table are on that steering committee along with other people. So it should, there should be lots of input, a, a, a very uh, shared kind of open piece. And, and I'm very aware of the faculty concerns, classified has talked to me about their concerns. I've, I've also um, talked about those. So everybody's very um, interested to make sure we do this in an open, transparent way, don't waste a lot of money, make sure that it's needed, and, and do we, how do we, how do we do it is, is the real key. So that's my opening. Uh, is there any, any ads, Amanda or Chris, to uh, um, your perspective that I, I know you mentioned as part of your report, but is there... Any um, <clears throat> any any suggestions, recommendations that you see uh, on doing this? We follow a template. This needs to be done. Uh, uh, fairly straightforward. Is it? 
there's one. Yeah. Um, to be honest, Michael, I would I would be more comfortable waiting till the faculty were back and to get a better sense. Um, as Janine rightly pointed out, she was at uh, one meeting in May in front of the Senate and did not get an opportunity to even really clear her throat <laughs> before the meeting was over. At a second meeting, this would have been May 26th, um, Matt Christensen in Janine Stead presented to the Senate. Um, on both occasions, what was said in the room by my colleagues was they, they were feeling that there hadn't been an opportunity to have any conversation yet about it. And what was presented was a schedule that has, uh, there's a blue square that has us going out to, this particularly concerns some faculty, space needs forecast delivered to architects in, in October's uh, colored in, and the concern being that we were hearing about it in May, that we were about to go off contract, that we're talking about October, that there's just simply didn't feel like enough time to have a conversation and uh, about the timing of it, about the um, the uh, projected possible uses of the document once it's done. The um, and obviously the 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 dollar had people concerned as well. But I would be willing to characterize it as just a chance to actually have a full fledged conversation or series of conversations, which is why I sort of concluded my remarks with opening up the opportunity once we're back to have those conversations before this gets approved. So that, that yeah, I mean, conceivably that wouldn't come back to the board until, what, September 9th or something like that? 7th, 8th, 9th, or the 10th. Can, can we hear from the classified Senate? Because Dr. Hawk said there were concerns there as well. Um, and a lot of the concerns from the classified Senate, we, we received a proposal from our senator that went to, sits on planning, and they brought it before our full classified Senate, and we had a, quite a lengthy conversation. It took up one of our whole meetings talking about it. And a lot of the concerns that Amanda's voice were also in the classified ranks. Of course, the price tag is really big. I mean, the first proposal, I think, had 75000 on it, and you realize there's only two classifieds at this whole school that make that much money. So a lot of classifieds did not like the idea of giving that much money to a consultant. Um, and there's merit in trying to do stuff in-house that you have engagement from your personnel. I think uh, I was jotting down some of the other things from that meeting. Uh, some people were concerned that there's other plans in pl that we should have in place at this campus that we don't have in place yet that would support the educational master plan. And you know, some of the comments were around, well, why are we building this umbrella-type plan, this big visioning document, when we don't even have the smaller supporting plans that would drive, theoretically, some of the things they would go into it. And I can see it going both ways. If you have the big plan, maybe you can tie to that. But, you know, things like the technology plan or the professional development plan, which are important to classified staff, are kind of underdeveloped. And um, those are the ones that we see as being more important. Um, we also were in the middle of accreditation self-evaluation. We're going to get a quality focus essay. We might get recommendations. And there were comments on, well, is this the right time to do it? 
Like, are, are we jumping ahead? Um, a lot of questions about what, what the motivation is. Why, why do we have to do it now? You know, why can't we have it done next spring? Um, and, but, you know, I, I am encouraged by the conversations and I have already talked to uh, Janine about how we can get the price down. Um, you talked about, I did the data in the first one. That was my first semester here and I honestly can't wait to sink my teeth into it this year. So anything I can do to drive the price down speaking personally. And I think if I was able to deliver that message back to our constituent group, it would be a much more positive reception. Um, but that said, faculty drives the educational master plan. So if they aren't on board, I think we've seen what happens when they're not with us. So, What is the rush? Why? Is there a, a deadline that you have to submit this to the chancellor's office, well, or yeah. why is there a, a rush? No. It's, it, it, it was planned this way by the steering committee. So the, it, there's no rush. It's just um, a three-year cycle for the update. So we're on cycle for the update. Okay. So what, you know, I, think, I think if the price tag were 1995, there would not be the angst, I think. Um, this is not about because it's not about stakeholder input. I think I think I think Chris really said it well, and I think in terms of the conversations which we really have, I don't think it's about conversation of needing an educational master plan. I don't think that's a conversation. I, so I'm trying to get at, and we've talked about this a little bit. You know, if faculty is concerned that we don't want this institution doesn't want an educational master plan, that would not be a good place for them to land. I don't think they're saying that. Do they not want our educational master plan to be current? And I don't think they're saying that either. So I think the clarity here is about, you know, why now? Well, the steering committee planned the, the three-year pieces, and we're, we're right there. Could we wait till next year? I suppose. But it would not help us inform the facilities or campus master plans that you guys are starting to work on as well. So that, that's piece. And that's what Chris alluded to. It's a campus master plan is a piece that undergirds um, and and helps support a facilities master plan. So if, you know if this institution were were wanting to work on facilities, wanting in the future to go out for a bond, you'd need all these pieces in play. I think some of the folks felt you know this was a initial burst to make sure that we could go out for a bond someday in the future. That's not the case. Um, we talked about this today. It's an update that brings us into a better understanding of how to serve students from, from my vantage point. Are there, are, there, um, are there any amendments that we might make to this that we're voting on today that might make it more palatable? Well, this is, it grants authority. We, we actually changed the language based on the input from, um, from faculty and staff um, this week, earlier than earlier than this, to make it more, I was hoping more palatable, which is just authorizing me to enter into this. We're not starting. It's not as if tonight you're voting on this and we we're flipping the lever and this thing is happening on Monday. Um, but it I, does need, give you authority to start going in that direction, yeah. and it seems like there's still. I I had a lot of questions before the meeting, and now I have even more given the reservations of the mm -hmm. the two stakeholder groups. Um, and so I, I, 
I don't feel comfortable moving forward this evening. Personally. Let me ask um, Janine to, because I think she had some. She has a different perspective and comes at it from a. a, a yeah, so I think um, if you look at the backup material, the very first bullet on there is in terms of project purpose is support a continuous cycle of integrated planning activities. So if you think about what the weaknesses in our accreditation um, report was um, in our own analysis of, of what we're doing, integrated planning was the biggest kind of weakness uh, other than the little SLO assessment piece. But that's... They're, that's going to get taken care of. Um, and so this is really the foundation for building that integrated planning activity. Um, if you think about your house, you know, your foundation is what holds it up. That's what an educational master plan is to a community college. It's, it's the foundation for all the other plans. And so we can't, um, it, from my perspective, it would not make sense for us to move forward on any other plans without having a comprehensive um, educational master plan as a foundation for those plans. Those plans are informed by the ed master plan. They don't exist in isolation or in a vacuum from this plan. So without this, it really doesn't enable us to be able to move forward on some of these really important plans that we need to do, like technology, like a more comprehensive facilities master plan that really is guided by um, a data-informed analysis of our programs and our um, existing facilities, um, like a professional development plan, uh, like a staffing plan, all the pieces that we don't have in place that we need to have in place. We can't really start those efforts until this effort is completed. Um, so... Um, I believe that I, I did hear the concerns raised by the Senates, um, and so that's why I went back to the vendor, renegotiated, identified these opportunities for us to um, do some of the work internally, um, again, in response to the concerns. So, so I, I want to um, let folks know that I, I, I did hear those concerns, and I believe that we've um, tried to respond to those. Um, I understand the angst about the cost, um, you know, but there's some things that you want to invest in for the future um, because of the cost benefit of doing that. And I think this is one area where we want to invest um, because I think not investing in it will cost us more in the future um, in terms of lost opportunities than $72,000 or, or fifty to $72,000 will now. So I would encourage us um, to you know, think about moving forward with the caveat of engaging the faculty and the classified in, um, you know, conversation about what this looks like going forward, um, really nailing down those opportunities for savings. And I'm glad to hear Chris say he's raring to go on it. <laughs> um, and so maybe we can just say right from the start, those are areas that we'll do in-house and Maybe we can limit the cost. And so you asked about an addenda to make this work. Maybe that's the addenda is, you know, these are the areas that we will, you know, do internally. Um, right now, the only thing that would happen before the faculty came back is data collection. Um, and that's simply a, a list of data that they've requested that I've provided to Chris to take a look at. And and be thinking about so um, pending your your um, response tonight. So, I, I so I, I think I've said enough. <laughs> I see both sides to it, and I understand 
where Senate's coming from. I do have issues with the price, and it's just that whole margin and where it's capped at right now. I'm sure it wouldn't hit the $72,200 mark, but on the same hand, I also don't want to see it stalled this evening. But there's four of us here tonight, so I'd like to just take the temp, and I'm, I'd like to make a motion on taking action on it tonight, but moving it to the action items for August meeting. Just can I do that? Can I motion to put it on to the August action items? So you want to table it until the August meeting? No, you just, you would table it. Yeah, that would be your, that would be your motion, I think. I'll motion to table this for further discussion when we have our other trustees to the August board meeting. With time to... With time to further discuss it and hope that in that time frame, faculty could give more information and we would have input for our, from our fellow trustees too. Huh? That's a big one. Is there a second? No? You want to table it? I do want to table it, but I, I want to table it until we have time to have more input from the, the various stakeholders. Um, if we're going to wait a month, I'd rather wait two or three months and, you know, I, it totally makes sense what Dr. Hawk is saying about how this plan would drive the other plans. And I know I was one of the people that's been asking for the campus master plan, but I would prefer to, if we have to push that off, the only reason why I was asking about that is because we already hired a consultant for that. And I've been seeing monthly payments to this consultant. So I, it's been a year since we got an update on the work he's done. So I, I wanted an update. But on the other hand, if that's what's rushing the educational master plan, I would prefer to back off on that and give the time to have a thorough discussion of the direction we go forward. Um, I have the same concerns already before coming into the meeting. This is what I had kind of red flagged, the, the cost. Um, wait, wait point of order. Oh. So there was a motion. Yeah, nobody seconded it. Nobody seconded it, <laughs> so we can't have discussion oh, okay. until there's a second. Okay, he asked me, but okay, I'll stop. Are you seconding? <laughs> no? Are you seconding? Any seconds? There is no seconds. So, so I move to table it. No, no. Oh, no? He moved. But nobody seconded it. Before we could do anything. But we're not seconding it. Nobody did. So now we go. So I, I move. Well, let me ask. How much time uh, do you think you would need to... To have a conversation, not only with the, your the faculty, but with the administration about this. Um, well, I guess the first time the Senate meets is late August. So the September yeah. September tenth would be the next. Is that our next, next board meeting? Yes, September. Is there another but between the August? Senate and the tenth. Is there something else in there? Because that one look uh, might be tough. Mostly, I think it's clarity and communication we're after, right? Yeah. Just letting people I, know. I, yeah. I think yes. Yeah. But Can we workshop it? Okay. 
Okay. So. We could do a partial approval of the portion of the contract that deals with the data collection and not the approach to the plan. I'd rather move to table it till the September meeting. I think that would be a tough one because we're actually looking at data collection happening locally in, in our conversation. That part of part of this is, you know, offloaded here. So I'm I'm not quite sure on that one. I can tell I you. I don't think. Be better think. off trying to clarify, um, yeah. pushing it down the road a little bit and clarify. I, I moved the September that we table it till the September meeting. It's, it's not obviously going to get all four votes tonight. Right. Right. So yeah. so let's do it. So is there a second? <laughs> yeah, I would rather you didn't table it to a, a time certain because let's, that actually is worse for us to bring it back because we may be ready. At August to bring it back in some way that you know helps you understand. We've dealt. With, I don't know, but um, I just I rather you. I kind of echo what you're saying. I don't want to see it pushed back too far either, but I do want to have further discussion on it. So this, just there is a motion on the floor. Is there? Second. Yes. Yeah. What is the motion? The motion was to table until the September meeting to give time okay, for the stakeholders, especially the faculty, to meet. Is there a second? Dead in water. So I just <laughs> up and vote. I would just vote up and down. What's that? For for it's not going to be up. Yes. So is there a, a motion to approve as presented eleven point two? But if we do an up and down, then it's then it's just means dead. that it doesn't mean that educational master planning stops. Okay. It just means that we're not. Okay. Take doing this it doesn't mean I'm even stop talking to him. It just means right. that I'm not going to sign a contract. Right. That's okay. all. It, it's all it means. Uh, you know. So it, it doesn't stop everything in its tracks. You're just not authorizing the district to sign the contract yet. So and there's clarification around that that can happen, which is all fine. I'll get back. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back. Okay. So nothing personal. <laughs> just it's just a business meeting. It's okay. All good. So motion <laughs> motion to. So I move to approve uh, 11.2. Is there a second? We're going to vote it down, basically, if people don't want to vote it down, don't yeah. want to vote it in. Right? It's just an up or down vote. I'm going with what <laughs> Yes. All right, let's uh, let's just send it back to staff. We'll bring it back. Are we still uh, streaming at a live <laughs> by any chance? Oh, oh my God! So, oh. and to take what Carolee just said, I moved to table it with no date attached. Is that what you're t going at? You no? don't have to even make a motion. Yeah. Just all right. Just table it. I'm pulling it. It's it's gone. Uh, Eleven point three. Newer revised board I mean, policies. I, I do want to. Can I say one cap on this? I do very much appreciate the conversation. Because it informs us all about wh where we need to go and well, that's and what I was going to ask. It. Do you so want okay. our kind of take on it at this point or not? No, or no? no? I mean, okay, no. it's already gone. It's done. It's all right, gone. It's done. How is there no need the for, for no motion to table? Because it goes back to staff. That's it. Yes. Okay. It was it was Doesn't consensus basically. A consensus. 
Yeah. This is as if when we started. Eleven point three, new or revised board policies. This is second reading, so it requires our approval. Covers chapter four, academic affairs, board policy forty twenty, forty forty. 4100 and 4025 for those following at home. That's a program curriculum and course development under 4020, library resources under 4040, graduation requirements for de degrees and certificates in 4100, and 4225 carries course repetition and withdrawal. Moving to Chapter 5, Student Services, we're also looking at Board Policy 5700 for approval, and that's athletics. I uh, move to approve. Do I have a second? I will second. Any discussion, conversation? Yeah, just, I just have one quick question that I'd like to uh, find out about the program curriculum course development. There's a piece in there that talks about, you know, understanding what the business, you know, who are all the stakeholders in all of that. And so I was just curious, Ron, um, our uh, Dr. Juni, where, at what point does uh, the Academic Senate, who plays a big role here, get the piece of what the business community, what that research, so that uh, decisions can be made? On, on curriculum and course development, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, mostly you're talking now on CTE side, and Amanda's like the expert here, so she can yeah. really okay, unpack great. this for you. Great. Yeah. You want to take it? Actually, I'll give credit to Amanda because she was curriculum chair when all of these went through both curriculum and academic senate. Um, but, but what Ron was implying, I mean, that's really addressing career technical education programs. And they all have advisory committees that basically give input on curriculum. Um, so, you know, does the curriculum meet the needs of the of the industry? And if not, what are the recommendations from the advisory committee in regard to new programs or the content of courses? And so that's where that would occur. Okay. Can, could I offer an example? Yeah. Sure. That would be great. Um, so uh, we are to uh, piggyback on what uh, Dr. Juni was talking about a while ago with our ADTs, one of the reasons that uh, my colleague, Diana Shabodi developed the ADT in early childhood education is her advisory board, and she has a very lively board. Um, they were bringing that input to her, that feedback to her. Um, and I use Diana, who's in um, child and family uh, studies, as a good example. She is highly responsive to her advisory board, and she come, she develops certificates, sometimes just bundling existing courses, sometimes bringing new courses in, directly responding to needs in the community. So, And the advisory boards, I'm just curious, they consist of who? People from where? Uh, industry experts um, mostly, but they also obviously include the faculty in the area, and depending on the area of the advisory board, it might also include faculty from a four-year or something of that state. So it depends on what actually it is. But it's a good mix. Yeah, but the, but the main purpose of those advisory boards is so that our faculty can hear from the industry that those um, degrees and programs are serving. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
That was it. That was my question. Any yeah. comments, questions? Comments, questions, and we'll call for the vote then. Uh, we have a motion and a second. All those signify, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Oppose? Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on to uh, 12.0 board reports, and we have a short report on 12.1 Board of Trustees self evaluation workshop discussion. That's coming to us soon on July 23rd at 9 a.m., 8.30 for coffee. That's really it. I think we unpacked it a bit in the president's report and um, should be a good day. I would, I, I, again, um, recommend if any of you can attend, it would be good. Or a representative would be good from your, from your constituency groups. And um, it's set up right now from the first hour and a half is really team building to help us understand the goals better in the bigger context and how to work that through. And then, and then addressing the assessment piece of self-assessment for the board and then working through to setting um, in, in conjunction with the other plans we have, the board goals for the next year. And, and as Janine had pointed out earlier, there's some real, and some of you, you know, had talked about some things, you know, there should be some good, strong financial guidance for the district there. There should be some good planning guidance for the district, maybe some, something in around sustainability, you know, those, you know, we don't want you drilling down too far, but it gives us a lot of strength in pursuing uh, you know, um, strategic objectives along the year. And um, so I think it should be a real, a real productive piece. And um, it's up Valley. What day is this? Day of the week? Thursday. Thursday. Okay, Mr. St. Helena, any pro driving up Valley Thursday at this time? What time should they leave? Is there traffic going up Valley? Or? Yes. No, not going up Valley in the morning. It's Well, actually, no, you're right. It, yeah, traffic's bad. But 9 o'clock, they should. 8.30. Take Silverado Trail. Yeah. Silverado Trail. Silverado Trail. Yeah. And we're expected until 2 p.m. or 2 thereabouts. Working lunch, right? So you, it's a good, strong working. Yeah, the drive home will be worse than the drive there. Yes. And the well, self-assessment survey will probably go out on Monday with a due date of the 20th. So yeah, it's important that you guys take this. This is the one you looked at and voted was the a, no, CCLC version 2, I think, or something. It's different than the one we did before. You'll be getting it online. It's going to go out Monday and it's due on the 20th? Okay. Well, I, I leave for vacation on Tuesday morning, and I'm coming back on the 21st. Will you have access so. to phone? Maybe you could game it on the way somewhere, you know? Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll figure it out. You know what? Monday, like, morning or Monday evening? I'm leaving early Tuesday morning. Um, well, I'll, I'll make sure it's Monday morning. Though. Okay. Yeah. I'll work on it on Monday. Okay. okay. All right. We can also provide a hard copy for you. If you're talking. Okay. <laughs> How do Any lunch accommodations work? I'm sorry? How do lunch accommodations work? Because um, I have special needs and... And Mary has special needs as well, so who, who should we talk bring, to? Bring your own food. There's a, a, a full kitchen up there. You could you could make it in there. Whip it no up. Problem. All right. Yeah. No problem I'll, at all. I'll take um, the microwave. See Carolee or Karen. He's being a little flip here, but um, see Carolee or Karen, and we'll see what we can do. If you know, it, it may be well can't do that. So yeah, bring what you can. Right. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, try to accommodate that. Any other questions? Uh, I, I'm sorry, Gabriel. I was uh, any other questions, comments regarding the self-evaluation workshop? 
Uh, so moving to 12.2, the Standing Committee and other appointment reports, 12.2.1, uh, the Viticulture Winery Foundation Board of Directors, Raphael is, is absent this evening, though it, uh, I was there as a, for the tail end, but really exciting stuff uh, going on in the Viticulture and Winery uh, Technology area, as, as well as uh, am I out of school by saying fermentation science is on the horizon, and mm -hmm. and uh, tasting rooms where students could uh, on the hospitality dovetailing in with our hospitality program uh, training as well as observation and, and uh, sensory evaluation, all uh, all exciting stuff, uh, as well as. Uh, uh, support our our program as as uh, all wine bottle sales go right back to support the students. You'll soon be able to hopefully see our wines in Whole Foods uh, as we're looking uh, to uh, finalize th those arrangements. Uh, you can find it presently at Valergus and the farm and so on and so forth. So when you see it out there, um, I don't know if Raphael would like me to say this or the Trefethen family, but... Uh, it's all about the students, yes. Go to Napa College. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add to that, uh, Dr. Kraft? Um, again, I'm not, I'm not yet perfect on pronouncing Paul G.'s last name. Help me, Terry. Godsbaderzek. So Paul Godsbaderzek and Paul Wagner have been appointed to this. They're both faculty members here and um, will serve as um, directors on the VWT um, Foundation on this Viticulture Foundation. And um, outside of that? So since you mentioned the two of them, um, they, they actually are also working on developing a short course in um, wine uh, for the hospitality industry. Um, Paul Wagner was approached by a number of hotel chains that need training for their serving staff and the like um, that sell wine to um, basically customers in their restaurants, et cetera. And they were looking for a, f a fairly short course that would help them uh, in their wine sales. And so the two Pauls are actually working on that over the summer. Um, and it will be part of our fee-based program, basically, to go out to the hospitality industry, hopefully, uh, shortly after, well, end of August, beginning of September, hopefully. Outstanding. Yes. Great. Thanks, Jim. All right. 12.2.2, um, Redevelopment Oversight Committee. Uh, it's um, under Joanne Busenberg's uh, Responsibility, she is not here, so we'll move on to 12.2.3, Legislative Committee. And as uh, I see, Clary is, is still there. Uh, sorry. Can I make a, an appointment? A, right. I, yes, I need to be appointed to some committees. I don't know if that's... Um, You're on it. He, he right was there. appointed last month. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. I just... Um, I was. Yeah, just clarified that. And they do have comment because Marianne Mancuso, representing the City of American Canyon, would like to... Uh, Say a few words. Oh, okay. So moving on to the ad hoc committee reports at 12.3. Communications, uh, Baldini Martinson, are we communicating? No, we didn't meet. Right. And I understand the communications policy is going to, was that tabled because um, the other Two trustees weren't here. Okay, so we'll see it at the last, the next meeting. Okay. 
any news on the accreditation front under 12.3.2 with DeGuardia, Baldini, and Busenberg? Uh, not to my knowledge. Mm -hmm. No. So moving on to 12.3.3. Uh, communications among board members review and, and uh, DeGuardi, Busenbarger, and Iverson. This is board policy 2720. Uh, Kyle, since you're the only member of the triad, do you have any comments? Uh, we did meet and we did come up with some things, but due to uh, Dan DeGuardi and Joanne Busenbarger's absence, we decided to uh, table it for the next meeting. All right. Thank you very much, Kyle Iverson. Uh, moving on to the trustee reports, um, since I'm looking that way, let's start with Gabriel Sanchez, our student trustee. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, no, not a lot of not a lot of um, changes throughout the last month. Um, although I did decide to go to the student trustee workshop in Costa Mesa, which is coming up in August, and I already expressed that to uh, Dr. Kratz. So I'll, I guess I'll be waiting to see it on that whether I'll be going or not. Other than that, I don't see any more developments, so I guess that's the end of my report. Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Kyle Iverson. Um, I attended the CalChina event, and that was really interesting. I got a lot out of that. I think there's some serious potential in the future, working with China and the Napa Valley. Um, I wanted to just... Tell Howard and Terry good job on your guys' reports tonight and Howard with the outreach that you're doing. It's really important to me in the community with uh, the local high schools and RFTES was where we needed it to be and where we thought it should be and we got it. So congratulations on that to everybody. And that's really it. Marianne Mancuso. Please, if you have the microphone. Well, I'll start with my uh, walk-on for my work in the Napa Parade, which was really a lot of fun. And I ran into some very interesting people that day. There's even a photo. <laughs> oh. She just wanted me to pray. Okay. Nice job. Jim, right. Um, so that was fun. So that was that. And then, um, um, so today, so what I put in front of everybody is something I just want to bring up real quick. And this is, today I, I uh, we had our Workforce Investment Board meeting. We meet quarterly. Other month and late meets 
training and work that they do, the plant management, uh, water conservation, you can see it right there on the front of the program. But then what they also do is... Um, they also get work readiness training. They had a workshop with the fire chief uh, in Napa that talked about careers as a paramedic or a firefighter. And, um, and then there's also scholarship opportunities. And uh, in talking to a gentleman who's on the web who is a dean, kind of like the Beth role in uh, Mendocino, um, he was talking about how they've incorporated this program as a uh, unit credit course uh, and he's been or somebody's been talking to Dr. Junie about making that happen too right so that's correct yeah so this is just an incredible program there's a graduation that we have in August and um, and it really really takes the at-risk youth and puts them in a position, and these are out-of-school youth, so and puts them in a position of, you know, wanting to keep going, you know, wanting to continue on to college and have more opportunities. Uh, there's one, uh, one guy that got hired, actually, by the Conservation Corps, and he's now a team lead, so it, it just... Again, it's just lots of opportunity. The other thing that I just wanted to bring up that's really important for what we do here is that the Workforce Investment Board is no longer going to be under the WIA Act, the WIA Act. Um, it is officially this month changed to WIOA, which is the Workforce Investment Opportunity Act. And now... Um, the focus goes from not just the one-stop um, working with the, you know, dislocated workers or uh, training or any of those programs, but now it, it's really focusing on um, uh, employer engagement and education engagement and career pathways, right? So... Um, so we we want to make sure that in Napa County we and, and we are also focused more on a regional basis with other workforce development boards now workforce development boards uh, in five other counties so with Marin and Solano and Sonoma and Lake and Napa working together on many of these programs so. Um, so I think it's really important that, and I believe that this is already happening, but because everything is so career pathways driven that uh, we don't have multiple organizations working in silos, but that we're really working together in um, uh, making this happen because, of course, the workforce development boards are uh, getting the funding to then bring people to these wonderful training facilities to uh, provide certificates and, and whatever um, is needed. So that's it. I'm very excited, very, 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 very excited about the new WIOA. Can I 
comment? Yes, please. Um, I'm working with Bruce Wilson and um, us partnering more with what's happening with the Workforce Development Board. And so um, so expect to see some um, participation from Napa Valley College in the, the development of those career pathways and working with the Workforce Development Yes, uh, Amy. Yes, um, well, I just wanted to we, we echo uh, what Trustee Busenbark has requested in the past that we have an item for future agenda items. Um, so I'm going to use my board time to, to maybe ask for a few things. Um, one of them, um, Trustee Mancuso has brought up before, and I'd like to see brought back as a maybe a presentation and a discussion item or an action item, um, the SIRE project. I know groups are right now weighing in um, on that and taking positions on that, and that's something that I do believe in our purview, since it's right, would be right here, and we could directly be affected by that. So um, I know Trustee Mancuso has a connection there. I'd love to see a presentation um, and actually an action item to either uh, to take a position on that project. Um, the other thing I was hoping we could look more into, um, I just wanted to share a concern that I've heard many times from the VWT students that they've come and talked about a lot of things, but this particular issue they haven't brought up, but they brought it up to me personally, and that's a feeling, they have a, a, a feeling that there's a lack of equity in terms of funding between programs, and um, I had asked for a copy of the budget centers, and we all got them last week or last uh, meeting. Um, and so it did kind of jump out at me. They actually mentioned they always compare their program with a specific program, the police academy, and um, they talk about that they feel that that program gets a lot more funding than their program. Um, so when I was looking at the budget centers, um, it did it shows that the the Police Academy does have its 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 own budget center, and it it has a budget of one hundred and ninety seven thousand dollars. And then it looks like all the other career technical programs are are a budget center, and their budget is twenty four thousand dollars. So on the face of it, I could you know see what their concern is, but I also know that this doesn't show revenue coming in, and that the Police Academy students have different fees. Um, but I also know, you know, the wine program, they have fees as well. So I was just wondering if it would be possible just to put this matter to rest, to have this broken down a little bit more and maybe look at the revenue coming into the police academy and then compare that with their budget, the $197,000, and likewise look at the other uh, career technical programs, specifically the VWT and how much revenue they bring in and then their their budgets. Um so I don't know if that's something that's doable. If not, with all the career technical programs, maybe just those two, the Police Academy and the VWT. But I have an interest in seeing, um, you know, not just the, the budget, but compare that with the amount of revenue that the, the fees bring in or the other things bring in. So I'm trying to get a little clarity. So you're, you're not talking about FTE-related fees. You're not talking about students who generate dollars for the college in those programs? Other, well, other fees outside. Yeah. Of so that? what we got was their budgets. Those are right. Like the, the best way to think about that, from my perspective, that's how much money is going is, out. That's supply budgets. Really, you're looking at kind of yeah. ordinary stuff. That's not quite right. And and but so you, what what you'd like to do is to compare revenues generated from those two sides. I just like to know how much 
money comes into the police academy versus how much is the $197,000 is allocated for the program for next year. So, but it doesn't include revenue. So it's, it's hard to compare when you compare that it, on the face of it, it seems like that's a lot, a big budget when you compare to all the other career technical programs only have a budget of 24,000. So I'm just wondering if there's a way to drill this down further to, to see if there really is an inequity there, um, like they feel that could possibly be addressed. I know that the budget centers, Dr. Hawk explained to me that every year they just automatically roll over and you can see that here. Um, and I don't know, maybe when we do more planning that's tied to budgeting, we'll start to see that change where maybe from year to year it shifts based on the need. But right now they just automatically roll over and it does seem, you know, kind of odd that one career technical program has a budget of 197000 and all the others, including VWT, only have a budget of 24000 So I, I understand their concern, but again, it doesn't take into account revenue that's brought in. So I just wondering if we could look at that and analyze that a little sure. bit deeper. Do you, want to, do you want to comment quickly on it and we so I think use it? Use your mic, if you will. In terms of revenue, I think um, what Trustee Martinson is referring to is the materials fees. Sorry. Thank you. <clears throat> I think what Trustee Martinson is referring to is the materials fees that students pay that offset those discretionary costs in the. Um, primarily in the academy, not so much in, in the viticulture program. I think it's a bit of a slippery slope to start looking pro at program by program um, because, first of all, those are only the discretionary costs. It doesn't include the academic uh, faculty salaries and support costs, um, so it's not really a complete picture. Um, number one. Number two, we purposefully um, fund programs at differential levels, um, because they, career technical programs have differential costs, and so they'll tend to be more expensive than <clears throat> traditional general education-driven disciplines. Um, also, this college doesn't capture all their costs at a discrete um, program level, and so even though we provided information, um, I, I'm a little hesitant to, to say that it accurately reflects at 100% all the costs associated with any program at this point. Um, because I think it may not include administrative salaries um, allocated to those particular departments, et cetera. So I, I, I think it's an incomplete picture. Um, and I'm not sure um, when we talk about equity be between programs, there's no such thing. Um, because each program is unique in the way we fund it and we look at it. Um, and in the FTA generates. So is, is there a way just to look at how much how much revenue the police academy brings in compared to its $197,000 budget? Just take that program because really if you look at the budget centers, I was just kind of shocked at at that $197,000 budget when you compare it to all these other budget centers. I mean, you know, social sciences division, $1,000. Division arts and humanities, $650. But again, when you have all the other career technical programs, you know, VWT, welding, um, et cetera, it's $24,000. It does seem like there's a big. 
Yeah, we can bring yeah. materials fees from students sure. um, that offset that. I mean, I think one of the items you actually pulled to look at was ammunition, um, and that was that expense alone was $56,000 for the year for the police academy, but that gets offset by materials fees the students pay. Um, those students pay almost $3,000 yeah. a year in materials they, fees. They actually pay $4,100 $4, a year yeah. for the academy. Right. The students so pay that. And mo so most of that is offset, so we can bring right. that piece back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and we so I you know we'll have to probably talk a little bit to try to figure out exactly what you're asking for, Amy. But um, I, I mean, just a real quick comparison. If you think about the police academy, um, you, you know, because you mentioned social sciences, I mean, social sciences is, is paper driven. So what what do they need? They need books and paper. Uh, the police academy needs cars, guns, bullets. Kevlar, you know, so there's lots of um, higher expense items that have to be part of that program. So I guess I'm just thinking other technical programs of welding. Obviously, they probably have things they would like, you know, and they do have fees as well. You know, there's welding fees and so forth. So um, anyway, I just something they've brought up multiple times, and I just wanted to address it. Well, one express, that's a concern they have, um, but see if there's some way to look at that to see that there. I get that there's not going to be equity, that they're all going to be the same, but just that there isn't a disproportionately large amount of money funding going into one particular program and not other, you know, at the expense of others. VWT, there are some ways to get at VWT. As it, I understand where you're coming. It's, not, it's just not a corporate structure. However, you could look at the dollars flowing to support the VWT program and tease out most of those. Um, Aside from the administrative overhead, what we just did. Is this, you know? Not to interrupt, yeah. but is this the right time to be doing all this, this conversation? I mean, is this part of a trustee's report, Amy? Yeah, I'm just asking for that information. If there's some way to get, get out that information or address yes. those concerns. Well, I'll yeah. put a cap on this say, well, we'll clarify with you and begin to tease this out, right? Some sort of measure that you could look at all your CWT programs and say this is what you're doing because yeah the, we all know that winemaking requires barrels and sulfur and air and so on and so forth and stemware and so uh, so I guess it's my board chair report time. Um, I, I'm doing my best to support the college. And I'll just put it at that. You know, and you have my support for next month as well. I hope to. Uh, I, I think we're done with closed session, right, uh, Dr. Kraft? Uh, nothing I think else. Forego closed session. Yes, yes. So let's moving right along. And in South Carolina, it, it should be ash by now, as far as uh, what was up on the flagpole. But uh, um, uh, announcements of future meetings. We just talked about the twenty third special meeting board self-evaluation, which just reminds me, SIAR is actually, or the Planning Commission, Napa County Planning Commission, is actually meeting here in the Little Theater on the 28th day of, of uh, July this month, um, I believe at 5, 5.30, I believe, start time. So be here at 5 to get your seat um, to, to here to talk about. It's a hearing process. So I, th I think uh, the college would always like to be a neutral, neutral spot, uh, promoting freedom, freedom of speech, and so on and so forth. Um, August thirteenth, our next regular meeting, and, and again, no meeting is regular. We want your attendance, and and thank you, Amanda, and thank you, Chris, for for sticking out to the very end, and all the rest of you that made this evening so special. 
Um, yes. Thank you to uh, to America as I adjourn.